knowing that all of our alternatives are going to be somewhat imperfect. Uh, we're not going to make excuses. We're going to work, continue to work very closely with Major League Baseball to find the best alternative for us. Ben Eden is the only one that is 100% seamless right now and ready to go. Um, that, from a player health standpoint, has some challenges. Buffalo is certainly one that we spent a lot increasing amount of time in the past few weeks. And there are uh, some infrastructure and uh, player facility challenges that we would have to address to get that up to Major League standards. Oh boy, back after two weeks off and radio, if radio is anything, it's theater of the mind. <laughs> I got to paint the picture here. Okay. I'm going to paint the picture for you. I'm feeling all refreshed and our SPO RTS, our sports are coming back. There's no Mike Zygamanis. He's still away. I think he's somewhere up in like Prince George, BC. Totally off the grid. And so Tim Leeper, former Blue Jays first base outfield coach and expert in psychological warfare, is uh, <laughs> with us all week. From somewhere. Where are you? We're up in, uh, up, up in lovely Muskoka, spending a Canadian summer up in Muskoka. And I got to tell you, like, this is two years running now. Like, like I got the greatest gig ever. I realized, like, I have had it pretty, pretty good, but to have Canadian summer up in Muskoka is not, is not a bad deal whatsoever. And I just know what you did there. You're not going to give away the name of the town that you're actually in. Muskoka is this big region with a lot of lakes, right? It's like, it's pretty much like Minnesota, but you don't want to tell people where you are because you don't want people dropping in on Castle Leaper and you don't want people coming to your town and shopping at your grocery store because you've become <laughs> cottage country guy who doesn't want the city folk barreling into your town on the weekend. I to hate be to be real this. about it. I, you know what? I have absolutely, the pandemic has actually <laughs> absolutely <laughs> turned me into this. No matter what it's on those, those downtown Toronto people, they're unbelievable. Oh my but God. It's, which I've, which I've been one for, for five, six years now. So yeah, I'm that guy now. I'm very isolated and uh, I'm looking at you here and I can't wait to hear you paint your picture. Cause I, I, I hope I get an equal chance to paint my picture, but to see you in the gloves was expecting a little bit more with the hair. What do you mean um, a little bit more? This thing, I haven't touched and, it leap. It looks great. I haven't touched mine either. I did finally manage to shave. I was expecting a whole lot more from the wardrobe before I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you, yeah, you haven't seen me. I mean, Ziggy gives me crap all the time. I, I haven't worn anything but a T-shirt or a hoodie when it was colder outside. A T-shirt hoodie combination up top, track pants or shorts down below, and we're doing ankle socks. And I haven't bought new shoes this summer because I haven't gone shopping for shoes. Like, I really haven't gone to many stores. So I've got two or three-year-old shoes on. I'm just a complete and total slob, and I've been away for two weeks, Leap, so I haven't worked since, I think, Friday, July the 3rd. I've come back. I haven't seen Vic Pilati and our technical director. I'm staring at him right now. He could point this out for you. I tweeted this at Scotty Mac Thinks. I took a picture of the studio, and we have appropriately distanced. When Hugh Burl jumps in and we do Burl the lead or 
when Ziggy is here and, and he's sitting beside me, but he's over that way about eight feet, 10 feet away, we've appropriately distanced. I've come back and I am now in the center chair with shower curtains on either side. It's, it's, I feel like I'm hermetically sealed. Like nothing can go wrong here. Nothing can go wrong. Where, what about you? What's your setup like? Are you, you good and comfortable? Not that I have a, uh, have a very big place here, but there, there's a room here that uh, we didn't use quite very, very much last year. And when I actually came in here in September last year, there was, there was a bunch of dead hornets on the ground. So Murder hornets or if, hornets you know, that were murdered. <laughs> so at some point during the show here, if the hornets, you know, cause it is hornet season or wasp season. If they, if they happen to come in here and I get stung that you're going to have a pretty interesting thing to describe as well. Okay. Well, you're sounding like cottage guy now. It's mosquito season. And then mosquito season moves or morphs into wasp season or hornet season. You got it all down. You got it yeah, all dear, down. Deer ticks, deer flies. The deer flies were really bad this weekend. And I, and, and the other thing is I've, I've learned that I've, I build a fire and I, I built a very irresponsible, very, very good, but irresponsible fire the other night, which I need to work on a little bit. So I'm not quite there as full on cottage guy yet. Would you just walk in and light some bush on fire or like what, what are you talking Basically, about an yeah, irresponsible like I, fire i clean up the I, I clean up the property so i throw everything in into this big fire pit that was that was here for us okay. and then just seemed like a good idea to like stack it up and let it go but it might have got a little bit out of out all of control right. all so. right well it's good to hear your voice um like what's up and and i say that in general like you you've been doing some work with the san francisco giants this year right yes. and so yes. you were you were down in Arizona for spring training um, because they train in Scottsdale. And then you and, and your wife and your, and your young son were holed up in Arizona for a number of months before you came back to Canada. So I, I'm just, I'm interested in what the, the whole experience, the whole COVID-19 experience has, has been like for you, uh, what your status is right now with the San Francisco Giants and, and, and all of that stuff. Because I, I don't think you're going to, work the baseball season. Is that true? As of right now, probably not. I mean, the only thing that we do have going is that taxi squad that's uh, going to, I think we're going we're gonna to be working out of Sacramento, which is right there by San Francisco. Um, with with the, you know, cross-border travel, with, with the, literally, not fear, but respect of the, of the pandemic, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask for all of us to travel, and, and we definitely don't want to get separated and and if something bad were to happen, you know, and not be able to like get get to each other, you know, having to cross across the border. Um, so it's been kind of surreal. It's in a lot of ways, like it's it's not anything you expected. I mean, you, I went into the baseball season kind of excited to get back, uh, getting after it. And actually, we worked a couple of weeks and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed being back around the players. And then once this started, it's kind of been surreal. And And you know, it, it kind of stinks. A lot of guys are struggling with it. Obviously, a lot of people are struggling. And I realize, and I'm thankful, we're in a really good position like to, to kind of like like get through this. And in a lot of ways, it's been, you know, I look at it as a blessing in times of terms, spending time with family. You know, got a young son, you know, watch him grow up. I think I'm thankful he's at the age he's, he is right now. Number one, because, you know, he hasn't gotten involved in all the social activities yet, so he doesn't really know what he's missing. But I also think that if I had to homeschool a child, oh God. <laughs> that society he'd, he'd end would up not be a better you. place. He'd end up teaching you. 
<laughs> Thank God my wife maybe balanced me out a little bit on this. But like, if my kid is homeschooled by me, we, we got some real problems in this country. I'll tell you, Leap, and, and we got to get into the news of the day. Uh, and, and there's a ton of it. Always is on a Monday. And, and of course, the, the situation involving the Blue Jays and just where it is that they won't be playing. Um, we know what that is. Uh, but where it is that they will be playing uh, remains up in the air. I got to tell you, I mean, Sportsnet has just been rolling out for the last four and a half months whether it's hockey, whether it's 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 Blue Jays games, old games, right? I mean, I think we got to go back three months for the runs of the '92 and '93 World Series. Uh, I've been I've, I've gotten more Flames Oilers circa 1980s into my veins than I ever knew I needed over the last few uh, months. But but rewatching portions of some of those 2015 and 2016 playoff games, and of course, you were first base outfield coach of the Blue Jays at the time. I, and I, I always find myself like it's it's like, holy crap, that was four years ago. Holy crap, that was five years ago. And I covered those teams every single day, man. What rides those were. And what were- personalities on those teams, like Donaldson and Bautista and Stroman and Encarnacion, like... I don't know what this new Blue Jays group is going to turn out to be, both in terms of success on the field and the personalities that develop. But, man, those teams were fun because they were good and they walked into a stadium letting the other team know that they believed that they were good. You know, it's funny. I, I did the... Uh... Uh, the the watch party the other night was was Cheyenne Rash, and that was that was one of the things we talked about. And you know, it's funny. I interviewed with the Rangers in the, in the off season to, for for a position over there, and we talked a lot about the playoff series and the fact that they bought into us a lot, and they they played off our personalities, and they created like these these battles against our guys that they really didn't need to create. And I can remember just being in our dugout. And even after, even after the fight and even after the Odor punch, like we were just going to go out there and win. We, did, we didn't play into other people's problems. Like we didn't care about anything. We just went out and expected to win. And it's funny, the psychological effect it had on the Rangers in terms of how they, how they played against us and how they created this, this battle that didn't need to be there because, you know, obviously the game was, was like the biggest thing. But how it kind of worked against them and for us, it's like we hated it. <laughs> we hated everybody. Oh, yes, and, you did. And, and some we of were, you even hated the media that hung around every single day. Well, that that no, that's, was a particularly that's a, difficult coach that we all had to deal with at the time, who shall remain nameless. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it was it, it, we we were like that, and then that was actually cool. It's funny. Um, we wa- watched the you know it's great watching those rewind games. Number one, you, you we won all those games, but. Except for the one they showed the uh, the Canada Day Massacre game, which we went 19 uh, innings against against uh, Cleveland, which, which we ended up losing. But in a lot of ways, that game was the very worst you could see in the Blue Jays, but also the reason like we were very, very good, too. Russell got... So to, I can't remember the order of it. And I got to admit, Canada... Uh, Leap, it was Canada Day and... I mean, I mean, good God, that game went five and a half, six hours. I remember I, for, for at least a part of that, I was at Jack Astor's at, at Young and Dundas <laughs> Square, and I just remember it was on the screen. I was like, is it the 14th inning? Eddie got run. Was this a, was this a Vic Carapaza experience? Or was yes. it? A, okay, so it there a, were, because there were a couple of Vic Carapaza experiences, right? Josh Donaldson got run in Minnesota. 
or was that someone else? No, Vic has a lot of history with us. He's yeah. such a good guy, and he like Toronto's has not been good to him, or he hasn't been great to Toronto. I don't know which way. Well, it is. I think sometimes you do it to yourself. But he runs Eddie really early in that game, right? Yes. And then a variety of Blue Jays pitchers are getting squeezed, and Russell blows his top. But it's like eleventh or twelfth or thirteenth inning by that. Like I, I actually, I think I joked. I said I, Russell's probably sick of squatting. Like he's got to get himself run because this game doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. <laughs> so. I think he got run before that, and and it's funny with with Russ, you could always sense it coming. They, with Russ, it was like three innings before he was going to get tossed. Like you knew he was going to get tossed. You, you could actually see it brewing. Gibby was the second to go. I think uh, Gibby went okay. with. Uh, with Edwin, the greatest thing about that, Gibby never wore a jersey, right? And I think Joe West was actually the first base ump. And so Joe goes, ah, i never seen the guy. I'm, I'm, this is my Gibby voice, but it's yeah. also the Joe West voice. But he goes, i never seen the guy wear, wear a uniform before. And then Gibby was gone like about in about 15 minutes. And I'm like, see, Joe, that's why he never wears a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> why did he wear a uniform? Probably because it was a red shirt that day. And it was he, red. Somebody, somebody it made, made him, it clear to him it was important to uh, yeah, to dress yeah, up for the occasion on Canada Day. Canada Day is very important. And he looked he looks thin in the red, so I think he uh, he wanted uh, to yes. put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not here to defend himself yet. Although yes, we, we might we might drop us. It's not so much a surprise if I preview it, but we'll try to drop a surprise on you at some point between now and Friday. We might have to have the John Gibbons experience this week. That would absolutely be great. He did call me and wish me a happy birthday, and I made him sing for me because oh God. he sang for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He got he got one line in, and I said, "Hey, dude, that's good enough." And by the way, happy birthday yesterday. Whew. Another year. It starts with a five. What does it end with? It ends with a four. Okay, fifty-four years old, eh? Yeah, I'm still cool, but man, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, you got one knee down too, right? <laughs> Got one fake knee at this point. Well on yes. your way to a second. Is that the plan? We're working on a second. Hips will be after that. <laughs> Stephen Brunt uh, will be along at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. John Paul Morosi at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. And then we're going to cover the Blue Jay situation uh, in totality. Marco Mendicino is the federal minister of immigration, and he was the one who decided ultimately that the Blue Jays cannot play. Their regular season home games at Rogers Center. Uh, too much concern over COVID-19 uh, with cross-border travel. And it's, of course, not just involving the Blue Jays, who will be traveling to the United States for road games and then coming back. It's also that a lot of the visiting teams will be coming or would have been coming to Toronto from, from COVID-19 hotspots in the United States. So Marco Mendicino at 7.30. Byron Brown is the mayor of Buffalo. And he will be along at 8 30 because Buffalo is now an option leap for the Blue Jays or is it because Anthony Bass and some other Blue Jays players have said okay we can't use Rogers Center we can't play in Toronto we need a major league facility to play in though we want to play in a major league stadium and we want to have major league amenities and so the question for you is where the hell are they going to find that? Because Buffalo is a triple-A stadium, and all we've been hearing about are the lighting issues. Well, you're not going to create a major league caliber clubhouse in the next month, a week and a half. You might be able to deal with the lighting standard issues, but you're not going to be able to create major league amenities in a major league clubhouse. Dunedin, Florida, okay, they've spiffed that up quite nicely, but the training complex 
with all the high-end facilities is like four or five miles from what is now TD Ballpark where the Blue Jays play their spring training games, the old Grant Field or Florida Auto Exchange Stadium. So the amenities there are just kind of okay at the ballpark. Do they go to Pittsburgh? There are some reports from Rob Longley of The Sun and, and Chai Davidi uh, here at Sportsnet saying that's a that, that's a possibility. Not a lot of home dates conflicting Blue Jays and, and Pittsburgh Pirates. They might be able to share that stadium. There's relationships there. Ben Sherrington is the uh, president of baseball ops with the Pirates. He just left the Blue Jays organization to take that gig. Do you think they find a major league stadium or do they have to settle? It's this is a this is a challenge. I mean, I you would think if they were going to go somewhere, um, you ha- as soon as they get the denial from the Canadian government, you think they announce right away. Okay, we're going here. The fact that they haven't means obviously they're they're still looking. The amount of legwork that goes into this, I, I I can't even comprehend the amount of like having to get equipment, get things to where you where you need to go whether it be pittsburgh whether it be baltimore whether it be any other places they want to go scheduling conflicts having to you know make sure that the testing is set up with the league this is i'm sure it's overwhelming i'm sure they've had time to prepare for but even then i i mean i think there's a point where you like you really hope for the best and 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 you plan for the worst but there's so much planning that needs to be done here and it's it has to be done and 10 days yeah and it's not just testing protocol and and all of that it's okay so where are we going to stay and are we going to are we going to become a traveling road show here the one thing i'll say is that and anything can happen in a 60 game schedule and i have tried to come up with scenarios under which the blue jays could contend this year and one of the ones that i feel is is possible is if hyunjin ryu and Nate Pearson combined to make 12 starts each, 24 starts out of 60. My math sucks, but 24 into 60 <laughs> is 0.4. That's 40%. If you have Ryu and, and Pearson making 40% of your starts, and those two guys can somehow combine for a 16-8 and eight team record in those starts, and I know I'm going deep down the if hole here, but if they can, and you can piece together some other wins... Maybe you've got something. All of that said, there really isn't a lot of contention expectation for this team this year, Leap. So it would be a lot worse if the Blue Jays were in this situation right now with high expectations. Because if you become a traveling roadshow, that can go sideways in a lot of ways. It's just it and I'm not talking just about COVID and 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 the testing and 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 staying healthy. I'm talking about just the constant distraction of never having a place to call your own, of having a place to go home and feel grounded, even for like an hour in the middle of an afternoon before you got to go to the stadium and play that night. That's what. That's where I thought like, and again, Buffalo would be like a good, to have a home base is is huge. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I think traveling around is, would be an absolutely huge distraction. I also get where the players are coming from, that they're used to quote unquote major league facilities. I will say this. I think Buffalo's just because of the fact that maybe certain people don't want to play there, taking a little bit of a hard rap because it's it's a really nice facility. Um, I mean, and what you're asking is... Do you think it's a major league caliber facility for for what needs to get done this season, though? Which is 30 home games. 
for 30 home games, I mean, you look at what we do and you look at Fenway Park and you look how small it is. And again, this is from a visiting team standpoint. There's some, a lot of challenges with space there. They found a way to do it. You're asking a lot for this, the, from Buffalo. You're asking a lot from the team to like be able to get things done to, to do it. Do I think they could do it for 30 games? Yes, I do. Would it be ideal? I don't think there's any ideal situation here. So I don't know. I, I hate to see the city. I hate to see the ballpark take a, take a blow. And, and what you're asking them is the same thing you're asking the Blue Jays. You're asking to do a lot in a little amount of time. And a little bit that can be a little bit overwhelming for both sides. Hugh Burl has just walked into Studio Leap, and he is enjoying these shower curtains. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just happy you're fully dressed. Really. Yeah. Pay no attention to that man in between the shower curtains. The old Wizard of Oz line, pay no attention to the man behind the curtains. Is, it, is this like watching H&G and uh, when Hugh walked in, it was like the unveiling of the uh, of the new house? I can tell you this right now, though. There's no draft in between these curtains. So all the hot air I'm blowing is just like coming right back into my face. I, I think, it, I mean, it's sweaty in between these plastic curtains. It's safe in between these plastic curtains, and I appreciate that. But it's, whew, it's hot in here under these lights. I really hope you don't take your shirt off before the end of this, seeing that I'm the only one that can see you. I can tell you this right now, Leap. There may have been a day when I would have done that, but it's not now. I, you know, they talk about the freshman 15. I've put on the COVID-19. <laughs> you know, too much, too much good cooking. Too, too much good cook. Too much time at home with good cooking. Um, well, listen, I mean, this is... This is the point that we've all been in getting to, and we all say this with a with a complete and total understanding that player safety, human health needs to and should come first. But we're getting our sports back um, at least off the hop. Uh, Major League Soccer is is well into its tournament now. Toronto FC has a big game tomorrow morning. They've got a tie or a draw and a win under their belts. They beat the Montreal Impact in their most recent game. So that that tournament is well underway down in Orlando. The NBA will be back in action in the next week and a half. Uh, the NHL, the Leafs are scrimmaging, and we're seeing John Tavares play on a line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. There's talk that Nick Robertson, the guy who scored 53 goals in 46 games for the Peterborough Peets, the second-round draft pick of the Leafs in the 2019 draft, could could be a factor uh, for the Maple Leafs uh, when their playoff series with the Columbus Blue Jackets gets underway uh, early next month. We'll get into all of that. The Raps are uh, getting set for the Orlando tournament. Sports is coming back. Stephen Brunt at the top of the hour. Hugh Burl, you've already heard his voice. He's on the other side of the shower curtain. He's in studio. We'll Burl the lead. It's MacArthur and Leaper with you all week. Scott MacArthur, Tim Leeper, and Hugh Burrell, who is, <laughs> I'm sorry, see, the worst thing you can do on radio is laugh about things that the listener can't see. Well, I'll, I'll take a picture. And I'll, I'll I did. I tweeted, I tweeted one to at Scotty Mac. Thanks. I should actually take a photo of you yeah. right now. We are separated by a clear shower curtain. So I can see you. Yes. But there's like some mold and mildew. Yeah. We really should get out the uh, the CLR or something. Well, I'm laughing because I mean the the 
the plastic sheeting is a great idea with everybody starting to come back. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, whoever put it up uh, blocked out about, I would say, 10 to 15% of my computer screen, which I kind of <laughs> I I need. So any screw-up you're going to hear in the updates, I'm blaming it on that, even though it'll be my fault completely. I'm blaming it on the fact that one corner of my screen is blocked off by the saran wraps. Well, as we as we start burl the lead here, this is like walking and chewing gum. When you start burl the lead, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a photo okay. of you on the other side of the shower curtain, and I will post it to Twitter. So right. we've dealt with the Blue Jays, and you may bring them up as well here, as they don't have a home right now. Nope. That's the lead today. So let's burl the rest. Okay, here we go. And welcome back to you too, my friend. It's uh, it's good to be back. Leafs training camp up and running right now. First exhibition game next Tuesday against those hated Habs. Will 18-year-old Nick Robertson crack the Leafs lineup? Oh, the second-round pick in the 2019 draft lit up the OHL this year, topping the league 55 goals in 46 games. Mitch Marner says he likes what he's been seeing out of Robertson so far. I mean, he comes in with a... Uh... A working mentality he gets on that ice and he works 100 so um you know it's great seeing that it's great watching that um you know he's uh he's pretty feisty out there on the ice he, he brings a lot of effort so uh he's uh he's definitely drawing an eye i think for a lot of guys in our team and um you know something that uh, you want to see out of young guys coming in bringing that intensity and bringing that fire every day and i thought he's done a great job of that so, gentlemen, and, and I should say good morning to Tim Leeper. Tim, how are you, buddy? It, it's you. It's, it's nice to hear you. Uh, it's it's great to have you on the show. I hope things up in uh, Shishi Muskoka are very nice for you. <laughs> uh, so, my question to you, gentlemen, this morning is: uh, Nick Robertson's five foot nine, one hundred sixty four pounds. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter as much in today's NHL as it would have maybe I don't know six, seven, ten years ago. Uh, does he have a realistic shot of cracking this lineup? Well, I was trying to think about where he might fit, right? Because the Leafs are going to be more or less healthy, yep. right? Like the Ilya Mikheyevs of the world who were hurt uh, back when the regular season was still going on. They're, they're healthy. Yep. So to me, he's a top, and I'm going to steal Ziggy's line, he's a top nine guy. He's not going to be a fourth liner no but if this kid can put the biscuit in the basket why the hell wouldn't you use him and we've seen we've seen 18 19 year olds perform very high at, the, at a very high level in the national hockey league 59164 doesn't scare me from nick robertson what was mitch marner in his rookie year yeah marner's not a big guy at all i mean he might be taller than five foot nine but he would have been 165 pounds dripping wet they may have lied about his weight for all we know but he was a he hadn't grown into his man strength at the time. No. Nick Robertson is flying around out there by all accounts at these at these scrimmages. I think you got to take a good and honest look at him. And maybe he's not somebody who dresses in game one, but if you've got to make an adjustment, throw him in. Yeah. See what he's got. So, Leap, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure it works both ways across all sports, from hockey to baseball. How valuable... Even if he doesn't make the team, how valuable is it for Nick Robertson to be with the big team and going through these scrimmages right now? I think it's oh, it's big. You're not going to be able to recreate this. And, and given 
the fact if you had a a quote-unquote normal season, he probably wouldn't be around. I think this is great. And in a situation where they're in now, like Scotty said, why not throw him in there? I mean, I think sometimes, you know, throwing something, an unknown in there, not only is it it good for your team and injects a little energy into your team, but it also, like, throws fits on the other teams because they don't know how to prepare for him. And these are the wild cards that you kind of need that maybe put you over the top. I know it's a big risk, but you also might get a big reward out of it as well. Yeah, the kid is so talented uh, that, you know, it'll, it'll be tough for the Leafs to keep him out of the lineup. That's how good this kid is. So when the NHL resumes, it will be yeah, without fans, which means we get to hear everything, which means we get to hear a lot of swearing from players and coaches The Leafs play the Blue Jackets in the qualifying round. Blue Jackets coach John Tortorella is one of the preeminent swearers in the NHL. So he was asked about what the mics might pick up, and uh, you'd expect this kind of response. My microphones on the ice might pick up in terms of language for viewers at home. Uh, I I really don't give a shit, quite honestly. So So there you go. That's that's exactly what you'd expect from John Tortorella. Earmuffs, kids, when they drop the puck. There's a torts for every mood oh, or a mood for every torts. Love the guy. I I always said this. He's like one of my favorite characters in hockey because when the camera pans, the Lightning bench or the Rangers or the Canucks or now the Jackets bench, there is always a look on his face. Like he just wears every single emotion he feels. But he's the kinder, gentler he's John Tortorella now. He's not the same guy that he was maybe five or six years ago. He has changed, but the old torque still comes What the comes hell is kinder and gentler? It's, uh, that is totally, <laughs> totally relative. I just, as long as, as long as he is looking frustrated and dropping a lot of F-bombs because his team is losing, I'll be fine. Really the old torts is only one soft goal. <laughs> He's only one soft goal away from being the old torts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would be, wouldn't take much to, to get him back there. Leap, who was the best swearer on the Jays when you were with them? Uh, oh, God, great question. Well, I think I think he caught Donaldson a few times, especially on camera against Minnesota, which might might have been pretty good. These You better run those games on five-second delay. Well, I also think – I think he's in Arizona now. He used to be the Angels pitching coach. I don't think Mike Butcher – and Josh Donaldson are exchanging Christmas cards either. Uh, that was a pretty good one that one time the Angels were in town. You know, when you're in the MVP, everybody hates you. Everybody, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess, has the NHL, I mean, we, we've been off for a couple of weeks, has the NHL said they're going to run crowd noise during these games? Because if they don't, it's going to seem pretty stark. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Hugh, um, I spent some time over the weekend watching a few of the either intra-squad or kind of inner-city games in in baseball as as baseball ramps up. The Cubs played the White Sox. The Yankees played the Mets at City two nights ago at Yankee Stadium last night. Uh, the Dodgers, I think, had the Diamondbacks in town last night. Clay Bellinger hit a grand slam, and they piped in crowd noise. So when when ball left bat and it was very clearly a deep fly ball to right field there was ooh yeah and then the ball lands on the other side of the wall and there's like a two second delay because i think the noise operator had to make sure it was a home run and then the yeah the cheers ramp in he has to find the cassette tape with and cue it up to the right spot and then hit the play button i I mean i get why they're doing it but 
I really think, and it sucks not to have an opinion on this, I really think that whatever they do is just going to be that, background noise. Yeah. Whether there's background noise or no background noise, that will be what we define as the background noise and we'll be very, very used to it very, very quickly. And especially in these leagues that are coming back to play playoffs or play-ins, we'll be so focused on the result of the games and as nervous as hell about the Maple Leafs that I don't think we'll be paying a lot of attention to what's going on around. Oh, I'm... I I respectfully disagree. I'm gonna I'm gonna notice that right off the bat. There won't be if that, it's that like, ambient it, kind of atmosphere. You don't get the no, no, no. But I'm talking about the fake noise. Oh, the fake noise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we're gonna notice that no live people are there. Yeah. It's it was it was weird. The Mets had a bunch of fat heads. Yep. Behind home plate, and I'm thinking to myself, that is a really good. I don't care what sport it is. That is a really maybe good way to reach out to the fans right now. Sure. Why don't you start like email campaigns if i'm the toronto blue jays well bad example because they're not going to play at home but if i'm if i'm the new york yankees i say here's our email address here's our gmail address email a photo in high resolution of yourself and we are going to draw 50 names before each game the nhl could do this too and your fathead could end up being one of the fatheads that occupy the seats behind home plate. Yeah. And then you can look at yourself at the game. Yeah, I, I think the Oakland A's are doing something, but I think that's for the outfield. There's having people send in pictures. They're having, like, cardboard cutouts made. And if a guy hits a home run and he hits your picture, like, you win a bunch of swag. I, I think that's how they're doing it. You win a car. I know, it's a great idea, especially in that ballpark. There's <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of home runs hit there, so... There might uh, be more fatheads and fans at points is, sometimes, too. Is, I mean, Tampa should have put fatheads in years ago. And, and we, we mean fatheads in the, the, the kindest, most gentle sense. Correct. Yes. Uh, let's talk some golf. Uh, PGA's Memorial was over the weekend. John Rahm won it by three strokes over Ryan Palmer. He's now ranked number one in the world. Only the second Spanish golfer ever. To hold the number one ranking behind the uh, late great Seve Ballesteros. Now, Rom led by as many as eight on the back nine. He got into a bit of a speed wobble. He also took a two stroke penalty on 16 when the ball moved barely before he chipped in for birdie. It was one of those instances where he's put down the club and the, and the ball's like topped up on the grass and they, it, it turned like. Not even a quarter turn. It improved the lie slightly, though, don't you think? I saw a couple of videos and photos of it. It's such a dumb rule. Like, you should be able to take your stance and, and to kind of set your club. If the ball moves like a ball, a ball's width, then fine. Okay, but this was just, it was nothing. Anyway, we could talk about golf rules all day. We're not going to. Tiger made the cut right on the number. Tied for 40th after shooting four rounds in the 70s. In the 70s, back issues uh, most of the weekend. Says he feels good, though. Uh, Canadian Mackenzie Hughes finished up tied for sixth, so he qualifies for the U.S. Open at winged foot in September. This was interesting. During the broadcast yesterday, Jack Nicholas, who basically, well, he designed the golf course and basically helped design Muirfield Village, which surrounds the golf course. Uh, he admitted that he and his wife, Barbara, contracted COVID-19 back in March and that he is fully recovered. So some interesting things there. So the gr I want to go back to the grounding of the club. Okay. Sorry, Hugh, I'm going to do this to you. We're going to talk okay. golf rules. Okay. 
I mean, we understand why you can't ground your club in a bunker. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you could significantly improve your lie sure. by doing that. Yeah. Why don't they make the same rule around the greens? Um, if I mean, if this is going to be an issue. Well. I mean, John Rahm did not do anything to try to set that no, lie. No. It, it, and it's always difficult when you're trying to establish intent versus strictly just going by result. Yeah, John but he Rahm was does, taking, certainly does not have a reputation of ever no. doing anything untoward or anything. And like he was taking a he was he was taking a couple of just practice yeah. strokes or you know queuing up the way that the way that you do when you're when you're chipping and the ball, as you said, moves ever so slightly. So how do you properly? Address that because this is it's different now, Hugh. You know this. 10, 15 years ago, before those zoom shots, nobody would have noticed. Yeah. Nobody would have said a word. Yeah, I guess what he what he could have done, and he said afterwards, what he could have done was call over a rules official to make a ruling right there. But I guess it wasn't until after the fact. So I don't know whether whether someone saw it on TV because they did zoom in on the ball before he was setting up. And and when he did put his club down, you could see the ball move just a tiny, tiny bit. But this speaks to a bigger issue in terms of some of the ridiculous rules that, that golf has. Uh, they've changed a few, which is good. Now you're allowed to, to tamp down spike marks mm -hmm. in, your, in your putting line, whereas before you were never allowed to do that. Now you're allowed to kind of drop from your knee instead of holding it out at your shoulder where the ball could you know, fly all over the place. Now the knee, it's a lot better now. Uh, you can putt with the flag in now, which speeds up the game, which is great. Not that any of the PGA players putt with the uh, the flag in, but it's nice for guys like you and me when we go out there. By the way, can I just brag a little bit? During my vacation, I shot my best round ever at Ainsdale in Kincardine. I don't want to brag, but, but it, was, going it to. was my best round ever. <laughs> now, for for a guy like Leap who plays, you know, well, probably okay, seven, what's, eight what's times. The best, what's the best round ever? Give my, us your number. It, well, see, people are out there aren't really going to be that impressed. But if you know me and the way that I hit the ball all over the place, yeah. I shot an 81. That's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Fake thank crowd you. noise. I love it. But, like, for a guy like... Thank you. Thank again. Really, now you're just embarrassing both of us. Uh, but for a guy like Leap, who probably plays seven, eight, nine times a week, I mean, eighty one's nothing, right? Oh, Leap? Absolutely. That's on the front nine. Yeah. <laughs> Have they still outlawed the uh, Vaseline on the driver face? I don't. Oh, I don't know about that rule. Tell me more. I didn't. Know, I didn't what know is, about what that. Is, what is that? The Clay Buckholtz golf rule or what? <laughs> I didn't know that. But I'll try, I'll try that. Out. Leap, I'm always looking for any advantage I can get. Yeah, just throw that on there. I don't think the high-definition camera is going to catch us by uh, bending the rules a little bit. <laughs> I just had to get that little brag in. 81. I know it's not impressive to most people, but for me... Oh, dude, for me, yeah. it's, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, I only lost one ball that round, and I usually lose about a dozen. So, you know, it's good. There you go. <laughs> no mulligans either, but I know what you're thinking out there. Oh, Burl probably took five or six mulligans. No, Burl didn't. Zero mulligans. 81. We've got Untucket <laughs> gift cards to give away. Leap, are you ready to play All or Nothing? Ooh, I, yes. I'm excited. There, there is a commercial break first, so I, oh, okay. I, I think I feel like I threw you off balancer. But you've got a question that you've got to ask as part of All or Nothing, and I just want to make sure that you're, you're and there's good. Three you're, and there's three questions, correct? You're, there's three questions, true or false, and you've got to get all three of them right or... All three of them wrong. So if you get the first one wrong, you've got to intentionally get 
numbers two and three incorrect as well. And the phone line is open right now. If you want to be the contestant, 416-870-0590, 416-870-0590, untuck it gift cards on the line. We play all or nothing coming up. Okay, let's see if I remember how to do this. We're giving away Untuck It gift cards. Three true or false questions. You got to get them all right or all wrong. So if you answer the first one wrong, no problem. You just have to get questions two and three intentionally incorrect as well. We got Leap and Muskoka. Hugh and I are in studio. Leap will eventually ask the first question to our contestant this morning, Steve in Woodstock. Hello, Steve. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing great. Good luck to you. Leap, take it away. Steve, I'm pulling for you. I just want you to know that. My first day, I love giving away stuff, especially when it's not mine. <laughs> so the first question, I I coached the Blue Jays, um, which I don't know if you knew. Um, Arrogant. Yeah. Well, no, in 18 and 19... In Humble 18 break. and 19, nobody got on base. So, like, no, <laughs> everybody forgot that I actually coached there. So, <laughs> my kids thought I got fired. So, but also, did I coach Team Canada in the Olympics as well as the World Baseball Classic uh, for Canada? Okay. True or false? True or false? Was Leaper a coach for Team Canada in the Olympics as well as the World Baseball Classic? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So that was wrong, Steve, which is fine. But now you got to get the next two intentionally incorrect. And so whatever you think is right, answer the opposite. Okay. All right, Steve, here we go. Here's your second question. Hugh Burrell shot a career best 81 <laughs> during vacation. Is that true or false? And how impressed are you with that? No, I'm kidding. But you can tell That's me false. how... Yeah, uh, well, that's true, actually. No, here's your real question. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the faith in me, Steve. Here's your real question, pal. Steve, Austin Matthews is nominated for the Lady Bing Award. The last Maple Leaf to win that award was Matt Sundin. True or false? Get it wrong. False. Wah, wah, wah. It was actually Alex McGilney who won the award in 2002-2003. Oh, well. The third question would have been, for me, Leafs rookie Nick Robertson is currently practicing with the team, and he played his junior hockey with the Oshawa Generals. The correct answer to that is false. So had Steve gotten that far, he would have needed to have said true. Well, we will give away Untuck It gift cards at this time tomorrow morning, and I believe it's $200 tomorrow morning. $300. Okay, so we did not have a winner on Friday. $300 in Untuck It gift cards will be up for grabs at this time tomorrow morning. Where will the Toronto Blue Jays play? Stephen Brunt will answer that question, maybe, next. Stop. Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.
MacArthur and Leeper, your sports are coming back. We'll get into the Blue Jays situation with Stephen Brunt coming up in, in just a few minutes. And later this hour, Marco Mendocino, who is the federal minister of immigration and ultimately the person who made the decision to say, no, uh, the Blue Jays can't play uh, their home games at Rogers Center this summer. He will be along to uh, explain that decision. I think we got the general gist of it, but these decisions are never just, uh, hey, somebody throws a question in your lap and you've got to come up with a quick yes or no answer. A lot of consideration went into it. Why can't uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, play at home when the NHL is playing uh, not just in Toronto, uh, but in Edmonton? I would imagine that the uh, travel has a lot to do with it. Uh, but Marco Mendicino will speak uh, to his decision in just a little bit. Tim Leeper with me for the week on leadoff from Muskoka. You lucky guy. You lucky yeah. guy. By the way, could you stop sending me pictures of the fish you catch? <laughs> I mean, those no, of us a badge who, of honor. Those of us who don't own cottages don't like it when cottage guy sends photos to non-cottage people all summer long to remind them that they have a cottage. That's that's deeply what it is, man. It's not, hey, look at this fish. It's, I caught this fish on the lake where my cottage is. I have a cottage. I don't invite you to the cottage, but I want you to know that I have a cottage that one day, if you're nice enough to me, I'll invite you to, but don't expect an invite. That's 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 essentially what the message is. I would love to be clever and be able to come back at you with that, but I am absolutely guilty of that. And likewise, if I shot at 81, I would send you a picture of my golf cart as well. <laughs> Why don't you just scribble out 18 holes worth of scores that add up to 81 and just take a photo and send it to me? I mean, it could have fooled me. Right? You don't have to be honest about it, Leap. You're already cottage guy. You're already halfway to being that guy. You can you can do it. I think I'm more recluse guy than cottage guy right now. Are you? Yeah, you're just holding yeah. right up. Yeah. You and I I've should become... you and I should compare. I know you're not doing the Twitter thing right now. You've come to your senses and, and gotten off the uh the Twitter train. But I still have it. We should take a couple of photos of ourselves and I will tweet it out side by side. And we'll have a hair competition. We'll put a poll question up. Oh. Who's got the better hair right now? You or me? Because we haven't come out of COVID. I'm growing mine out, dude. I'm I'm going to grow mine out. I want to see how long I can get this before it's ridiculous. And maybe it already is. And I'm just not taking the advice and, and listening to the criticisms. I'm, I'm, like I'm rolling with it. You got a lot, and you, but you have a lot more than I do. The fact that you're not using a brush on it that that makes it gives it the little element of of, of whimsy. No, 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 I am <laughs> using a brush leap. This is just what it does when it. This is what it does. I just thought you ran an old chicken wing through it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Vic is laughing at me all the time because I'm wiping my bangs out of my face. At this point, it's like being back in grade seven. God, my, that was long enough ago. My hair, as you can see here, is this great, great radio here. But I, it looks like the Rogers Center with the uh, with the roof open. <laughs> Dude, you got more hair. You're not. Oh, okay. I can see where there'd be a burn spot on the top of that melon after a day on the lake. 
There's a lot of orange-haired guys that use the comb over. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm one of them. But, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. if the shoe fits. Yeah, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Just, yeah, just stay away from the makeup. That, that's when we'll know, the, the orange makeup. That's when we'll know when you got the face covering to make sure orange, that's when we'll know you've, you've kind of lost it. So the Leafs are out there kicking around. And, and Leap, I got I to gotta tell you, I mean, I have absolutely no idea how they're going to do against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'll be rooting for them. I'll be on the edge of my seat. It'll just be nice to have sports back, and it'll be nice that they're so consequential right away. But whatever we do in this market, whatever we do in this market, it can't come without a hint of panic. We are already talking about Frederick Anderson's performance in scrimmages. Don't let there be a goaltending controversy before we even get to this play-in series with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I really liked how Jack Campbell played for the Leafs after they got him from the Kings. But good Lord, man, this team will go as far as Frederick Anderson takes them. And you have to ride it. And then you have a short series and it's, there are weird times. Yes. You're going to have to pick someone because if you go in between the two, like you're, you're at, you're, it's a recipe for disaster. And there absolutely is going to be a goaltending controversy. I've, I read it all weekend. Like what's going to happen in game one. If it just, and again, these are random games. Like you take the ice for the first time. Like you don't know, like, I mean, I, you can plan, but when you're not in mid season form, anything can happen. Well, I mean, and, and here's the thing about what what's coming and look you know soft tissue injuries positive covid tests what, what, whatever comes up will come up but generally speaking leap unlike any other playoff scenario that we're accustomed to these teams are going to go in fully healthy fully healthy like unless um, there is a, a long-term injury that was going to keep a guy out for the rest of the year and through the summer, and he wasn't going to come back until sometime the middle of next season. These teams are at 100% complete and total health. If we've ever wanted mano e mano with, like, no equivocations, we're going to get it here. But it's but it's also fully healthy, but not being in game shape either. Like I, I don't. I wish Ziggy was here to answer this, or someone was to answer this. Like in baseball, you prepare and you're in spring training for seven weeks, and you, and you, and you you spend so much time in the off season getting ready, and you should be in shape. But like those first three four games, no matter what the situation, no matter how good a shape you think you're in, like it's a different deal. And and I, with hockey, and especially at the level they're going to be playing at right now, like. I'm wondering how these guys are going to feel game three, game four. Like, there's got to be a little bit of a, of a down. I mean, it's going to be tough on these guys' body no matter how good a shape they're in. Marco Mendicino is the uh, federal minister of immigration, and he'll be along in 20 minutes' time to explain his decision, the federal government's decision, not to grant the Blue Jays an exemption on national interest grounds to play their home games at Rogers Center. The Blue Jays, of course, are training in Toronto, but they're going to have to play their home games south of the border uh, after the uh, regular season begins uh, for the Blue Jays on Friday night down in Tampa Bay to discuss that and so much more. Uh, he is one of the co-hosts of Writer's Block uh, right here on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Stephen Brunt, is with us. Good morning, Stephen. It's been a while. You good? good? Sir. Uh, yeah, I'm good. We're back in, uh, we are back in the home base today, so we will be in studio. Blair and I will be there this afternoon. Looking forward to it. I, I understand uh, 
it's good like doing a radio from a shower stall. Is that correct? Yes. I so I'm hermetically sealed. I've got <laughs> I've got shower curtains on either side of me, and it was perfect because Hugh came in and did his updates and did Burl the lead, and and he couldn't breathe on me. Um, so well, yeah, you're totally safe. You'll be totally comfortable in here. Well, I'm uh, to be honest, I'm whatever the circumstances. I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to in-person radio. It's been. Uh, it's been a challenge, but it's been fine, but it's a little normalcy. Even if it's weird, we'll be fine by me. Absolutely. And we've, I mean, I don't know how far we'll get, but we can't worry about that now. As far as we know, uh, our sports are coming back, or as is the case with uh, Major League Soccer, our sports have come back. So, so it got sign off from the mayor's office and, and, and the Toronto uh, government, the municipal level of government, Stephen, um, Lisa McLeod, the uh, sports minister for the province of Ontario, was on an Ottawa radio station last week and effectively suggested the province had signed off. But the federal government did not sign off on the Blue Jays plan slash Major League Baseball's plan. Given the COVID-19 pandemic, the Blue Jays will not be able to play their home games in Toronto. From your uh, personal sense and and from whoever it is that you may have been talking to in the last little bit, what was the level of surprise that hurdles got cleared at the municipal and provincial levels for the Blue Jays to play in Toronto this summer, but they could not ultimately jump that final and most important hurdle, the federal government? I, that's, I don't know what the level of surprise was. Um, I do think... Look, there's there's two things. One is there are a lot of people going back and forth across the border right now. Um, you know, I think we kind of act as though that border is closed, but it's 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 closed to casual traffic, obviously. But there are thousands of people going back and forth across the Canadian U.S. border every day, for mostly for commercial reasons and business reasons, and we need them to do that. And that's so that you know, thank God they're they're willing to do it. Um, but there are people coming in on flights. There are people coming in through the airport. This is, you know, it is it is not a wall, um, you know, and in that sense, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I like they could they have made this work, you know, logically, logically, is it that much different than other things that are going on in terms of the border? Probably not. But um, I think public opinion was a big part of this, Scotty. And I think public opinion fueled by what's going on to our to the south of us, obviously, you know, that that's the. Um, you know, I think that was that has been the X factor here all along. That you know, whatever the plan was, you know, and whatever the hopes were in terms of the Jays playing at the Rogers Center, first of all having you know summer camp at the Rogers Center and then playing games. You know, those plans did not anticipate uh, you know the the uh, the the firestorm that is taking place in this in the southern United States, especially in southeastern United States um, around COVID right now. And I think that's what the federal government was looking at. And I do think that they kind of wet their finger and held it up in the air and said, how do people feel about this? And I think most people, I think public opinion was against it. You know, there wasn't, there's not enough, I, I think there's not enough reward, you know, economically or, you know, obviously there's no fans in the stands. There's no kind of, uh, it's it's not like it's, it's going to offer people another level of recreation. They're going to be watching it on TV anyway. There wasn't enough reward to justify the perceived risk. And, uh, so that's a political decision as much as a public health decision, I think, but I'm not saying it's wrong. Well, and, and that I was just going to take you down that road, Stephen. I mean, one of the conclusions I drew when I, when I first, I admit I was quite surprised 
uh, by the decision. Um, I don't disagree with it, but I was quite surprised by it. My first thought was there aren't a lot of ways, uh, just in terms of managing personalities, you can't get out there on Twitter, you can't say things publicly, uh, because if you upset the guy down south, things can go sideways very, very quickly. There aren't a lot of ways you can repudiate uh, the American handling of this entire thing, and maybe this is one of the ways that you can without making it obvious that you're pointing fingers at you-know-who and you-know-who's administration. Yeah, maybe. Um, I guess, you know, like that. Like practically and realistically, that's what this is. You know, this isn't about the situation in Toronto or in Canada. This isn't about where we are with COVID here right now. And and honestly, Scott, Scott it's not about... The, the the this kind of a plan for professional sport because you know I think sometimes look I understand why we f- we focus south and look at what's going on in the states and you know spend a whole lot of time watching CNN you know and and in the perpetual crisis mode because they we do share the continent with them we do share this border they are we've all you know most of us have been to those places we have friends or family uh, in the United States we get it but you know it's it, it's worth looking to Western Europe right now where. Yeah. Sports has returned. Um, the soccer leagues, all of the major soccer leagues, at least the ones that decided it can keep playing, you know, uh, so England and France, and or England and Spain and Italy and Germany, Germany's done. They're playing games in empty stadiums with players who are living at home. Um, they don't have to fly around as much, but they, they do go from place to place. And it's kind of, it's essentially come off without incident. Um, you, you can do this. It's not, it's not a crazy plan. Um, you know, and I was watching some sports on the weekend. You know, there was boxing from Germany on television this weekend, a tiny little boxing match. But they had people in the, you know, spaced, but they had fans in, in the stands. Um, I was watching Australian Rules football this weekend. Mm. It's, you know, it, I know that they've contained the, the things, but, you know, but they have had outbreaks there. There were fans, you know, half capacity or a quarter capacity in the stands in Melbourne. Um, it's the dead of winter there too, which is one of the things we fear about the virus. But it is the dead of winter in Australia, so it, it's not a. It wasn't a crazy idea. It isn't a crazy idea. What's crazy is what's happening in the states. Like that's it's straight up. And this, you know, if you kind of roll back the clock to whenever baseball decided on this to do this rather than uh, rather than the the, the hub city plan, the uh, there was reason to believe that it might have worked. Or that it could have worked, um, but it's the world that changed. Not you know, it's not that the plan was nuts. It's that the world shifted. The sand shifted beneath everybody's feet, at least in the U.S. With Stephen Brunt, I, I said last hour, Stephen, that, and anything can happen in a sixty-game season. I I understand that, and and it may be advantageous for some young teams if 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 you can rip off. I was saying last night to somebody, if you can rip off a six-game win streak. And that, and, that, and that seems to happen all the time in baseball. You can lose six in a row as well. But if you rip off a six-game winning streak, that's that's 10% of your schedule that you've won um, within a week consecutively. Like, anything is possible, especially if Pearson comes up at some point, Ryu and Pearson are at the top of the rotation. But this Blue Jays team does not have expectations to contend this year. I think the scenario that they're now facing would be a lot more difficult if they did have those expectations. Because here we are about a week and a half before their first scheduled home game, and we don't know if it's Buffalo. We don't know if it's Dunedin. We don't know if it's Pittsburgh. 
We don't know if it's going to be a largely Pittsburgh slash Manchester, New Hampshire slash maybe a game in Buffalo slash maybe a game somewhere else on days the Pirates are home when the Blue Jays aren't. Like, I, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it would be best suited, I would imagine, for this team to find a place where it at least occasionally can ground itself and spend a week and feel like it's, it's grounded somewhere. Yeah. No, look, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think, look, if this was the year, you know, if, if you were going in and saying this is the year when it all lines up, this is the year, you know, we've got one more year left on so-and-so's contract, um, the, you know, there's all kinds of roster decisions that are going to have to be made, but this is the year they're set up to win. And A, you know, you end up playing a 60-game season, and B, you don't have a home. I think you could feel like you got robbed, you know, that you were, because it's going to be really hard what they're talking about. And I think it'll be slightly easier with a younger team, you know, with a lot of young players, with fewer guys, for instance, who have, you know, wives and kids at, at, in a home base, you know, that they they're th- have to think about. Um, th- it'll be a little easier for guys to just kind of put their heads down and play wherever they are um, and, you know, maybe be a little you know, oblivious to the surrounding conditions. But, you know, look, I, everything they're talking about right now it's, it reads to me like a significant competitive disadvantage. Uh, but, yeah, this was not the year. It, it's, it, it would be a huge bonus for everybody if the Jays found their way into contention this year. Uh, I, like, I, I think all the arrows are pointing in the right direction. I think it's – we thought that in the spring looking at 162. But, you know, when we were looking in the, at the, in the spring at 162, we're kind of thinking – yeah, 500 would be terrific as long as there's progress and, you know, bring some of these. Yeah, and Nate Pearson will show up in June and uh, we'll we'll see the evolution of, of this team and they'll get some more experience under their belt and they'll, let's talk 21, 22 and beyond. Um, but that's not – so this this year is going to be if, – if, if somehow they come out of this and they're in it down the stretch – uh, you know, the, from game 48 on or whenever, however we define the stretch, <laughs> then that would be a bonus. And it would also be a huge achievement if they're, you know, if if they're transient, if they're moving from place to place to place. Um, but that's not the expectation. So, again, I guess if this was going to happen, there there would be worse times for it to happen. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, it's saying that in the middle of everything that's going on sounds kind of crazy, but... Um, I guess from strictly from a baseball point of view, I guess that's true. Hey, Stephen, this is uh, Tim Leaper. How you doing? Hey, Tim, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I, I just, but given just, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here a little bit. Just given the fact that it is a 60 game season, and the fact that it is going to be a little bit random, and, and I think if you ask the players in the clubhouse, do you think they're they feel like they're ready to contend? Because you know, if you look at 60 game breakdowns. I think there are a lot of things can happen, and I think a lot of things are going to happen with, with teams like the Yankees who are older and, and are a little bit maybe more injury-prone. But looking at this team, I, you, I think you just kind of cut on it. Like, the youth serves them really well, but also I kind of see a team that's a little bit divided because the youth's kind of on the offensive side and, and, the, and the veteran, the, the, the age is a little bit on the pitching side. How do you think that kind of factors into to how their season's going to progress? It's it, it's a heck of a question, Tim, because, like, you know, again, none of us have a lot of experience handicapping 60-game baseball seasons played in pandemics, right? Like, well, I have no idea what the hell this is going to look like, really. <laughs> but 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 what I can what I can tell you is, you know, and this is from, when, you know, spring training, which seems like 10 years ago, but that core group of young position players are crazy confident, right? They are, they were, they're not, they were not conceding. And again, this is not just bluster, I don't think, but, the, you know, the, the, the leadership in the clubhouse 
Uh, yeah, you're right. The pitching is a little bit of a different situation. But it, the leadership is young, right, and fresh. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of cynicism there, right? There's not a lot of that kind of beaten down veteran look around the room and say, you know, we're not going to win this year, but, well, you know, I'm still going to get paid. Like, that, that's human nature. It's going to happen. But the, the Bo Bichettes of the world, like, they think they're going to win right now. And, look, I, 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 again, I don't know. I, I don't know what this is. I, think, I do think they're having to bounce around. If they have to bounce around from stadium to stadium, that's going to be very tough for their home games. I, I do think that's going to be – that's a significant – it's not about the home field advantage, but it's just how unsettling, how tricky that would be. You know, in sports, like your work life in general, a lot of it's about routine, and the routine's going to be – there's going to be no routine. But in terms of guys believing and the potential of certain players getting off to a crazy hot start, and, you know, Scotty, you said a you know, six-game win streak is a 16-game win streak, right? That's what my math tells me. So, uh, yeah, you get hot for 20 games, you might be in the postseason. It's uh, Some stuff would have to go right. The pitching would have to fall into place. You know, guys like Shoemaker, who looked great in the spring and has looked really good so far, would have to be, you know, kind of live up to that. Um, but it... Look at look. They won't crumble for any lack of confidence. They're like it's almost with young players. And I think Tim, you can tell me better than I, you know. But, but my experience being around young guys is that, you know, they kind of have, you know, blinders on, right? Like they just look straight ahead. They they just they just they don't look around the kind of and and do those calculations about who's around them and where they are and you know how good the Yankees are going to be. They they just want to play ball and they think they can win. Yeah, there's no doubt. I can remember, like, even when we weren't very good in 18 and, and we got the influx of young guys when Danny Jansen came up, when, mm-hmm. you know, Guriel was healthy. And, like, we, we were winning games. Hey, hey, it, was a, it was the first time ever we beat we beat Tampa. And, and we can remember we came back one night and had, like, nine straight hits. So, like, like I, I really feel – I mean, you look at last year, you look at Washington, and, and they were 19-30, and 30, I believe, you know, after, after right. uh, 49 games. There's That's good math. But, um, yeah, I just feel like – there's so many games here that are that are again it's random you don't know what you're going to get and I, I and i think you hit the nail on the head that the amount of confidence these guys have from from the leadership of Bijo with the way Bo plays with with Vladi's bat uh, i think Guriel being healthy is a big deal i think on the offensive side of the ball they're going to be really good and it, i think it's it was kind of encouraging Ryu is, you know he he won the ERA championship last year and and you have Shoemaker who really got off to a good start and ha- only has to do it in a 60 game season i think they I hope they they they, and I'm pretty sure in the room their their expectations are good. It's going to be very interesting because if there's ever a time maybe that they can't compete for me, this is a chance that they can. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it plays out that way again, I, I yeah, I, I think in terms of a shortened season and the chance to surprise, it's 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 obviously it is obviously there. Um, I said, I just hope this other stuff doesn't handicap them so much that they don't really have that shot. But we'll see. You know, again, I, I don't, I don't think there's one person, you know, who can step back and say, here, here's, here's how it's going to play out, and here's why. Um, we are all kind of flying blind, including the guys who run the team. Stephen, we'll uh, pick it back up next week. Always look forward to these chats. Baseball Central, two to three o'clock, and then Writers Block, three to five this afternoon. We'll be listening to you and Jeff Blair. Look forward to it. All right, see you guys. You go, Stephen Brunt, one of the co-hosts of Writer's Block here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. He is the Minister of Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship. Marco Mendicino will explain the federal government's decision to say no to the Toronto Blue Jays playing in Toronto this summer. And he'll explain it next. Lead off with C. 
Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, half of that is a lie from Big Voice Guy. Ziggy is still off. Former uh, first base and outfield coach for the Blue Jays, Tim Leeper, with me all week. Lucky you. Video didn't kill this radio star. I'll tell you that right now. From his uh, hoity-toity cottage in Muskoka. Huh? Off the lake. I'm not on the lake. So when I send you these pictures of my fish, these these nice bass that I catch, just know I'm not on the lake. All right. The uh, Blue Jays will not be playing their regular season games, their 30 home games at Rogers Center in Toronto or anywhere else in this country after a federal government decision uh, to not grant the Blue Jays uh, an exemption in the interest of uh, national interest. And the uh, person, one of the people who made the decision is the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, uh, Marco Mendicino, uh, an area MP, is with us. Uh, Mr. Mendicino, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. And I got to say, looking on your Twitter feed, I'm really glad to see those plastic curtains are up. You guys are uh, COVID-19 aware and safe. So way to go. Pay no attention to the guy squawking <laughs> into a microphone behind the shower curtain. Um, we'll play on the Wizard of Oz phrase there. Um, listen, Mr. Mendicino, the, the, obvious, uh, the obvious question is the first one, and, and that is uh, why? What led to the uh, decision uh, to not grant the Blue Jays a national interest exemption to play their home games in Toronto this summer? Well, we looked at two things principally. One, we looked at uh, the advice that we got from the Public Health Agency of Canada, who examined the proposal very carefully and saw that there would be a lot of cross-border travel, uh, both by the Jays as well as opposing teams from multiple locations. And we also bore in mind the fact that we've got an agreement in place with the United States that significantly reduces all but the most essential travel at the border. And we just extended that agreement for another 30 days until August 21st. So having uh, regard to those two things, we concluded that it wasn't in the national interest to grant an exemption at this time, but we are open to receiving future proposals, and uh, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. But right now, it was a tough call, but it was the right call. So when you say you are open to receiving future proposals, am I to interpret that there is a greater than 0% chance that the Blue Jays could still play games at home this summer, or has the door been completely and totally shut? No, I think we'd have to see a number of things, though. First and foremost, we'd have to see the risks of transmission of COVID-19 go down significantly from where they are right now. Uh, and we'd also have to take a look at the proposal. And, you know, that involves a number of things, including where they would play, how much isolation would it be involved, um, what would be the testing and tracing. And so there'd be a lot of factors. But right now, those conditions aren't present. And that's why we are where we are in terms of the decision. Marco Mendicino is the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. And this is leadoff Sportsnet 590. The fan we're talking, of course, about the fact that the Blue Jays will not be playing uh, or we understand will not be playing their home games at Rogers Center this summer. Can you take us behind the scenes, Mr. Mendicino? I, 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 th this isn't um, as if a question about whether the Blue Jays can play in Toronto this summer lands in your lap one morning and you've got to come up with a yes or no answer by noon. What did the discussions look like? How many discussions were there and over what period of time? Well, it goes back at least several weeks when the MLB and the Toronto Blue Jays put forward a proposal to do their preseason training in Toronto at the Rogers Centre. 
And so just pulling back the curtain a little bit, uh, there is a lot of discussion among uh, all levels of government as well as Major League Baseball and the franchise. And so we all look at the proposal very carefully. There's a lot of communication. We look at the details uh, around uh, where they wanted to, to do their preseason training. training. So, for example, uh, over the last several weeks, the Jays and their personnel have all been essentially confined to the Rogers Center, and there was no cross-border travel whatsoever. And so that was the big distinction between preseason and the regular season. The regular season would have them going back and forth to multiple locations, and so that is why we arrived at the decision that we did. Given the fact that this was signed off on by Toronto's public health unit, the mayor, and having to make this decision, what were those phone calls like when, when you did make your decision? Really constructive. Uh, look, I know uh, John Tory very well, and, and he and I have worked on a number of files, including this one, and he appreciated that there were going to be some risks if we chose to proceed. Uh, my team had a call with Mark Shapiro of the Jays, and I, as you saw in their statement, they appreciate where they're coming from. And I will say, you know, from the players' perspective, I'm sure they're concerned about their safety as well. So there's been a lot, a lot of coordination. And as I say, we will keep open lines of communication going forward. And I'll say, uh, look, I'm a fan, guys. Uh, I've been watching the Jays for as long as I can remember. Uh, I remember being there in 92, watching on the Jumbotron. We won our first one uh, when Joey Pats did the flip. Uh, These are all milestone moments. But as you pointed out, we're still going to get to watch baseball. and We're still going to get to watch the Jays. They're just going to be broadcast from a different location. What was the difference? I mean, obviously, teams are going to be holed up and in, in, in the so-called bubble uh, in the National Hockey League, and, 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 and Toronto will host the Eastern Conference teams and Edmonton, the Western Conference teams, when the NHL play-in resumes here, Mr. Mendicino, very, very, very shortly. Was the difference simply the bubble, or were there other elements of the NHL's proposed plan that worked for you? Well, the bubble was certainly one, and if you take a look at the Major League Baseball model, uh, they've got uh, quite a number more of locations where teams are going to be moving uh, back and forth from. And that also includes international travel uh, going across the border, and certainly those were two of the main things that took the decision in a different way. We thank you for your time this morning, Mr. Mendicino. I know you need to run, um, and we certainly will be reaching out again uh, should there be a need for follow-up. Thanks for this. Hopefully in the postseason, guys. Take care. You bet. Great All right. talking to you. Marco Mendicino, uh, Minister of Immigration, Refugees, and C- Citizenship. He had to run leap, but the, the way he left it there, what do you mean in the postseason? If the Blue, Jay- <laughs> if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, could, playoffs. A, could there be playoffs? <laughs> could there be an exemption? Um, who knows? I, he, he, I, I felt like Jim Carrey there. Uh, I felt like I felt like Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I mean, he he's open to a proposal here within the next week or so that that maybe changes the game on this. Here's the problem, Leap. It's the time frame now. There, there's no way there's no way that this gets done that 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 satisfies the federal government if it doesn't satisfy the federal government now it's not going to satisfy the federal government within the next week and if i'm not mistaken the blue jays first scheduled home game is a week from from wednesday they start in tampa bay and then they got a couple of games in washington before the nationals would under normal circumstances come north to play uh here in toronto i just I don't see it happening. The Jays are going to have to figure it out south of the border, and they're going to have to find some kind of, some kind of somewhat permanent home.
Yeah, I find it interesting too. Like the travel restrictions between the two countries end on August twenty first. Obviously, at August twenty first, they're going to decide whether to extend. Leap, that'll be extended. The, That's been extended a few the, times already. It'll continue to be extended. Yeah, but the crisis, the way it is in the states right now, like I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, who knows? It's it, it, it's a mess. But with with the amount of infections now, and obviously the amount of hospitalizations, and it, we we know where this goes. The Blue Jays. I want to tell you, I want to talk to you about possibilities for contention this year. And, I mean, I've said it. Nate Pearson is a discussion point. Is Nate Pearson going to be kept down in the minor leagues so that his service time gets pushed back such that they control the seventh year? I think that the answer to that question is is yes. Right? I mean, there's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it given the parameters of the rules. There would be it would be foolish not to. I would say I would say I would say in a perfect world, my personal preference leap, get the guy up here and have him piggyback with Ryu one two in the rotation and have those two guys combine for twenty four of your sixty starts this season. That's forty percent of your games, and maybe you contend and then hey, you know what? He's not going to be prohibitive in terms of payroll in his first year of arbitration eligibility three or four years from now. And he's not going to be overly expensive for a team that's going to have payroll flexibility in years five and six, his second and third year of arbitration eligibility. And you should be able to afford him in free agency because, hey, baseball's expensive. And if you own a baseball team, you got to expect to pay players especially once they get to free agency eligibility. And that is so far down the road. Why don't you deal with it and talk extension in three or four years from now to try to buy out some free agency years and keep this guy here long-term? That would be my personal preference, but I know how this works. I understand the business of the game. Nate Pearson is not going to be here, I don't think, to make his first start. I would be stunned if he does. But in a 60-game season, man, if you want to contend... Maximize them. Maximize. If how many starts does he miss if he goes down? Does he miss two starts? Well, I mean, I would I would put the ball in his hand. I'm not saying they would do this. I would put the ball in his hand right after Hyunjin Ryu. I'd go lefty righty, uh, soft tossing lefty with the change up, and then the flame throwing righty one two. That's how I would do it. So, yes, in my scenario, he would miss two starts. If he would be your, quote, fifth starter, maybe it's only one. Yeah, but he definitely has to be your second starter. I mean, again, roll the dice high. We're talking about Nick Robertson. We're talking about With Nate the Pearson. Yeah. These are guys in short seasons, and everything's not normal right now. These might be plays that really kind of get you going. The other, th- I think the other thing with him, when it comes time, we don't know what the rules are going to be. Uh, in terms of the CBA, when his time does come up, so like you may you may hold him back right now, but in terms of the CBA, you don't know what rules he's going to be negotiating or contract. Is it going to be a super two? We just we just don't know. And is there going to be a know, salary cap? For me, we like, just don't know. Sixty games. I think it's. I don't think you have to get out of the shoot high, but I also think it's fast. But I also think it really helps you to do it. And for me. Again, and it's sitting in this seat, it's easy to say. And as a coach, it's easy to say you want your best team out there. You want your best chance to win. And if you go, if you win two games every time or have a good chance to win those first two games of the series, I think you go ahead and take that chance. This is going to be a conversation point over the course of the week. And I'm going to pick at you and I'm going to needle at you. 
at you over this. And uh, look, I was on vacation last week and there's just aren't a lot of places you can go. So you got some time at home and I wanted to see this Blue Jays team. So I watched both intra-squad games and I watched both intra-squad games with great interest. And I was listening to Dan Schulman and, and, and Joe Siddle and I was observing myself, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I want to be very clear about something. This is this is not about quote unquote weight shaming anybody, because I I know that it's a sensitive topic. But but Vladdy is a a professional athlete, and 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 Vladdy looked to me more like the Vlad Junior of spring training 2019 than he did the Vlad Junior of this past February when he arrived in Dunedin. We know that he's been moved to first base. That has been an eventuality leap that that has been discussed, if not loudly, at the very least behind the scenes since back to when you were a coach in the organization a couple of years ago. This eventuality has now become reality, and I wonder if they made the move a little earlier than otherwise anticipated because Vlad came back bigger than I'm sure they hoped he would. And so here's my take, and I've, I've thrown this out there before. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is now playing a suboptimal defensive position. We live in a world where baseball is obsessed with home runs, walks, and they're okay with strikeouts. Hitters are not ashamed to strike out 200 times anymore. That used to be a huge deal. If everybody and I'm speaking in generalities here, if everybody can hit 25-ish home runs and play a more important defensive position, what does Vladimir Guerrero have to do as a first baseman to maximize his value to this Blue Jays team? I'm telling you right now, he needs to be a 40-home run hitter. And I think in my my take on this, he is absolutely a guy that can hit 40 home runs. The things he can do on the offensive side of the baseball, other guys can't do. I mean, when he took when he took that sinker from Britain last year and, and lifted over the park, there's nobody in baseball that can do those things. And I I, I don't think it's a, I, I hate the fact that it becomes a weight issue with him and, and, and it's easy for people to jump on its weight. He's a big kid. He's just naturally a big kid. And that's where he goes. And the amount of effort it takes for him to stay at that threshold that we deem deem appropriate, you know, it's 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 just not his natural go-to place. Unfortunately, when you play third base in the major leagues, you, you got to move. You got to be on time with every. You got to be nimble. You got to be agile. There's a lot of things. Balls are flying at you. Balls are hit in front of you. Balls are hit behind you, man. You you, you don't have time to have missteps or be a half step slow. It's, it's a fast position. For me, it's one of the hardest positions in, in the baseball to play. The fact that they put him over to first base, I think he, he can be comfortable. He can focus on his bat. He doesn't have to work as hard in the weight room with all the other things. And I, I don't think that makes him a bad person. I don't think it makes him lazy. I don't. And I think where they put him up right now, I think they're going to get above average defense, maybe not immediately, but they will. He made a, he you, made a nice diving stop. And I think the second game, of the two inter-squad games that Sportsnet televised. Yeah, it, it, plays right. it, first, it totally plays at first base for me. Like, the, the, all the things at third base, like, that are really difficult, like, it, they're easier over at first, and I think it'll play up a little bit. And this guy can swing the bat. And I know he didn't meet all the expectations his rookie year. They should, but if you look at his year, and you look at it compared to, like, the rest of baseball, and a guy who was, what, what did he play at, like, 19, 20, 21? Like, 
it's really good. And and for me, I bet on the bat. I put him at first, and you know what? This guy's going to be a gr- not a good hitter, but an above average and elite hitter in the major leagues for a really long time. And maybe it is tied to expectations, because because I do think it's fair to say right now, leap. And this is not, you know, when you lift somebody else up, you're not necessarily diminishing another person. That's why I hate debates over like the Hart Trophy in the NHL or the MVP award in, in baseball. Well, Mike Trout should win the MVP award. Mike Trout is an annual MVP. It doesn't mean he's actually going to hold the trophy every year. And Mike Trout is not lessened by the fact that like, say a Miguel Cabrera wins it because he has a triple crown year with the Tigers a number of years ago. Like it doesn't diminish one guy if another guy is lifted up, but relative to expectations and the hype machine from his signing at 16 years old back in 2015, Vladdy, I think, has come down a rung on the ladder, and Bo Bichette is the face of this franchise. It'll be interesting to see what ha- happens because you know you again. Are you do, are you hesitating with me on that, or you do you agree or you disagree? Because I, I, I we're we're facetiming each other right now. You had a bit of a half smirk on your face. Do you agree with what I'm saying? I think Bo I Bichette th- is the face of the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they're both tremendous, and I think they're both would be both good faces of the Blue Jays, but we're too early into this. Like this is their second year. And again, Guerrero came in with expectations and which nobody's going to match. And if you really look at the year, it's a solid year. It's a solid year, especially given the amount of, I I was over there one day last year and I I was, I was walking around, I was walking around with Kevin and he was in the batting cage and Kevin, your son, just to be Kevin, not yeah, Kevin, Kevin Barker. <laughs> you weren't walking around with Kevin Barker necessarily. You might've been walking around with Kevin Barker, but Kevin, your son. So I snuck in. So anyway, <laughs> like the, the amount, the amount of he's in the batting cage, he's got two or three coaches on him. And then when he's done with the batting cage, he has to go out and he takes his ground balls. He has two or three coaches on him. The amount of eyes on him, the amount of time that he didn't get to spend by himself and just be a guy like that, that was tough. Like, I, I made the I think I made the point to shy at this point. Like, don't make him try to be great at everything every single day. Cause like, yeah, he the guys need a break. And I think with expectations, with the amount of pressure a young staff had with him as well, because look at it, if if he struggles when he comes to the big leagues and you have staff that's, you know, not comfortable or unsure and they're in their first years too, like they're not giving off that confidence to him either. So like he 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 feels that. And and I think just Given the fact he's going to play first base, it's going to be easier on the defensive side of the ball. He's not going to have to go in and put in the reps and the amount of time on the field. And the fact that he actually might just be left alone a little bit more just to go out there and swing the bat, I think this is going to do wonders for him. And I think it's going to do wonders for the team as well. Nick Robertson, will he make the Leafs? Well, he'll make the Leafs, but will he play for the Leafs in their playoff series against Columbus? We'll get into more thoughts on that. Frederick Anderson, why are we already picking at a goaltender carcass? We know that Frederick Anderson is going to be the man for the Leafs in the playoff series against Columbus. And if he's not, we know the Leafs are screwed. So why are we picking at Freddie Anderson's carcass already? I know he had a 909 save percentage, as lowest as a Maple Leaf this year. But good (laughs) Lord, let's just (gasps) breathe. And John Palmarosi will join us at the top of the hour. It's all ahead. Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Everything is bleak. It's the middle of the night. 
cottage country music. Oh. <laughs> also, John Axford's walkout song. We love when Axe came in. Oh. Especially in Detroit when he was the only guy to use the bullpen car. And the Detroit bullpen car, if you look on, on online, there's a great picture. It's a black, like, old Cadillac or something with, with, with uh, flames on it. And him rolling in from the bullpen in that thing, best thing ever. That used to be more of a thing, like the golf cart to bring the reliever in from the bullpen way back in the 80s. You remember that? Well, back in the 70s, when I first started going to games at Anaheim Stadium before they closed it, um, they had that they had a golf cart with a giant like helmet on it, and uh, the, every every reliever came into the game like that. And remember, they they tried to bring him back a couple years ago. It didn't take. Axe might have been the only guy to to use it. I'd be down to get chauffeured into a ball game. I would want to get chauffeured out to the first base coaching bus. Maybe, maybe that might just be a laziness problem. I don't know. <laughs> Byron Brown is the uh, mayor of Buffalo, and he wants the Blue Jays to come and play at Salem Field. Of course, the Blue Jays AAA affiliate. The Bisons play in Buffalo. He'll be along at 830 to make the pitch. John Paul Morosi on the Blue Jays situation and on the likelihood of contention in a condensed 60-game season. The Blue Jays kick off their schedule right here on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Friday night in Tampa Bay. Oh, by the way, they're at Fenway Park for a couple of exhibition games tomorrow night and Wednesday. We'll tee it all up with Morosi next. T minus great. I just put myself on the spot. 35 hours until first pitch at Fenway Park, the Blue Jays and Red Sox tomorrow night in exhibition action. A couple of games at Fenway. Then the Jays are off Thursday night. The Yankees and Nationals will be the lone game to open the regular season Thursday night from Washington. And then the bulk of the schedule starts on Friday night and the Blue Jays will be down in Tampa Bay for that baseball just around the corner, hockey and basketball to follow major league soccer is already underway it's macarthur and leaper all week long on leadoff sportsnet 590 the fan and here he is our good buddy john paul morosi for his uh, regular monday hit it has been a while i've been on vacation a couple of weeks john i've missed you pal what's up and likewise scott and tim great to be with you this morning and thank you for the the detroit rock city uh, intro I, I appreciate that very much uh i was chatting with vic a moment ago about uh the existential question of if the leafs defeat columbus do we count that as a full playoff round victory or must they win a best of seven series before you feel comfortable with that designation Uh, I was waiting for that, too. Thank you very much. He made it easy. I'm very impressed, JP, that you have your own walkout music here for this show. (laughs) Thank you, Leap. I I appreciate it. No, I I have been very lucky. Uh, Everybody in the network has been great to me over the years, and and, uh, they they have treated me like family. So uh, even though I can't... uh, do what I love to do, which would be to get in the car and drive and visit everybody in Toronto right now. Uh, we can uh, we can at least still connect over the airwaves, and it's great to be with both you guys here this morning. Have you ever thought about that, John? I, you know, Mariano Rivera, uh, Enter Sandman, 
it's it's legendary at, at Yankee Stadium. Have you ever thought about what your bullpen walk-in music would be if you were coming in to close a game? <laughs> Don't well, say I it's have, a more. I, I thought not that I have any athletic ability that would designate such a thing, but yeah, you think about what your all-time favorite songs or, or uh, rock and roll groups are. I, I, w- I would say that I would certainly choose something from U2. U2 is my favorite band. I, I have a song that I sing to each of my daughters from U2, and I, I am of the firm opinion, and feel free to both of you, if you want to disagree with me, you can, but I believe that I was born in the early 80s, and uh, I would say that U2 has been the most continually prolific, excellent, and relevant rock and roll band in my lifetime. I disagree with you frequently, but on this one, I will say no. It's funny. When I, I grew up in Southern California, we used to have a thing called Cal Jam, which was out the Ontario Motor Speedway. Right. And Van Halen, all the groups of the 80s that were great. But when U2 first came out, they played there, and they played like on a Friday. And it was like a Friday to Sunday thing. And every kid from my school came back and said how great U2 was. And I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I like that. It, I've seen them live twice. And uh, it's one of, one of those objectives I've got whenever uh, – we can start gathering again. Uh, I want to see him a third time. Yeah, and I, you know where I want to see him in Ireland, or I want to see him in I want oh, to see him in so Dublin. Great. I want to see him in Dublin, or like even Belfast, Northern Ireland, right? Like, get them on their Beautiful. home turf. Yes, yes, they're. Uh, I've seen them in East Lansing and in Detroit, and in the last show in Detroit, the very first song of the set was sunday bloody sunday so for that for that drum riff to be the first thing you heard was pretty uh was pretty cool well they're an irish band in east lansing there's plenty of good green right the spartans in well east said. lansing michigan huh that's your that's your team right the michigan state spartans if i'm not mistaken go michigan <laughs> well, state so my, my dad went there oh really uh, okay my wife went to the University of Michigan, and so, as they say, to keep the peace in the house, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, probably, I probably have to support her team more often than not. But I, I really do have uh, great respect for both universities. Okay, you got split allegiances. So with John Paul Morosi of MLB Network. So let's get, to, uh, let's get to the stories of the day. You know, I, I think anything can happen in a, in a 60-game season, John, and, and so I have come up with ways, and you and I – uh, when when Ziggy has been in, we've we've all discussed the ways that it's possible, and I think that it begins with Hyunjin Ryu and Nate Pearson each making 12 starts for a combined 24, and 24 into 60 is 40 percent. I mean that's that's a significant chunk of the Blue Jays games that those two pitchers could start. But a curveball, to use a uh, baseball analogy, was thrown into the mix over the weekend when the Blue Jays found out that they would not be able to play their home games in Toronto this summer. Do you think that has a negative effect on whatever the expectations could be, would be, should be for this team this year? Because if nothing else, I would imagine it's going to be awfully hard for the Blue Jays to feel grounded, given that they're probably not going to have a firm home over the next couple of months. Well, it certainly could have a negative impact, Scott, but... I, I think that this season in so many ways and from hearing players talk around the league, this season is really what you make it. And uh, your attitude in approaching it is paramount. And I really think that the Jays have a nice mixture of, of some veterans who are going to give the right amount of leadership and perspective with also a lot of young players who have not yet 
made their mark on the game and, and will be very, very hungry. Uh, you think about the, the number of players on the team who have, let's say, more than five years of service, and it's not that great of a percentage of the roster. And, and I think from that standpoint, even in some of the veteran players, you think about someone like Shoemaker as well, Roark has something to prove too, in, in a sense. Um, these, even the veterans have an edge to them this year in terms of the competition of everything. So there's, there's not this, um, this high percentage of players in, on the team who are close to retirement and, and, uh, and close to, to walking away from the game. These are people that want to make their mark on the sport. And I think in that context, yes, being somewhat decentralized location-wise w- would be a disadvantage, but Bo Bichette wants to play, and Kevin Biggio wants to play, and Vlad wants to be a star, and you've, you've got a lot of young players wanting to make their mark, and, and I think as long as the right tone is set, uh, and I think it will be, candidly, with this group, um, that I, I think this could actually be one of those uh, sentiments where for two months, two-plus months, hey, we can deal with anything for two months. Let's just put our best foot forward, and they may still be able to surprise a lot of people in, in that way. John Paul Morosi is our guest. He is with MLB Network and Leadoff's Monday morning MLB analyst. This is Leadoff, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. With all that being said, how do you think, Given given that whole given on that whole scenario, how do how do they fare against the rest of the division right now? Well, Tim, I, I look at the division and say that there's an opportunity here. Uh, I, I, certainly, the Yankees are they're still my pick to win the division. I think they're really deep, and we saw Stan hit a home run yesterday. He looks great. Um, the Yankees still have the best roster in this division, but the Red Sox are a team in transition. Clearly. Uh, Baltimore still has a, a good distance to go in their rebuild. And, and I'm not necessarily convinced that the Rays are clearly the second-best team in this division. I, I look at the Jays to be in the mix for a wild-card spot throughout the, the season. I, I really believe that. Uh, and, and I would agree with what Scott said about Hunjin Ryu and, and looking at Pearson as well. Uh, Ryu won opening day last year. He's got experience on an opening day start. If he can set a really good tempo, and I know we're not going to get too much into overweighting opening day, but but it's really worth three games almost in a normal situation. And and if they get off to a good start and Ryu has a, has a really good tempo in, in game one and helps to set a really good rhythm for the bullpen, this team can really surprise some people. And you've got those young stars that have so much on their minds in terms of wanting to really make their mark uh, on the major leagues. And I think Gurriel is still – overlooked by a lot of people and shouldn't be. I think Grichik um, is, is now one of the veterans in this team who I think has a chance to have a really good season as well. This is a, a club that I think is very scary. And, and if I'm Tampa Bay, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling entirely confident that I'm going to be able to finish ahead of Toronto. I think this is a team that can easily finish second. And if you do that, you're right in the wild card mix till the very last days of the season. The personal side of it for me, John, says get Nate Pearson up here and get him into the two spot in the rotation right behind Ryu. Uh, throw him Saturday against the Rays. And then the business side of the game, the, the, for lack of a better way to put it, logical side of the game says keep him down a week so that you can control him for a seventh season before he's eligible for free agency. I'm not going to ask you what you expect here because I think the latter is going to happen. But do you think we get to a point, and and I think what I'm asking is, is it the result of the next CBA negotiation where somehow, some way, there isn't this murkiness over service time? I hope so because I, I think it's it's for the best of the sport. And I think back to... 
you know, before we would get too carried away in, in, in the narrative of what the extra couple of days could mean. I remember Chris Bryant back and forth uh, back in 2015, and, and uh, the Cubs, uh, after having him start that season in the minor leagues, still made it to the playoffs, and, and so in that sense, all was well. And, in fact, they, they won the wild card game that year and got to the NLCS, and it didn't hold them back. That's just one data point. But, of course, that, that situation was grieved up until this past wintertime, and, and that's, it's just not productive. Uh, I would hope to see that in the future we, we would see service time and, and credits based more on, on years since you signed your first contract. Uh, that would be a way, uh, maybe a little bit more similar to the National Hockey League, where um, you could have some some different service time uh, tied into just the years since the contract was first signed. And that that way, when the player is ready, there's more incentive to have him come up right then. I think that's that's one possibility. But uh, the way it is now, it, it's difficult because you're you're really putting incentives out there for teams to make decisions for reasons that are not about putting the very best roster on the field every day, which is what I think, uh, especially now in this, this new era, I think transparency is going to be so important and, and the ability to really uh, speak about your, your planning and, and what your roster looks like every day. Uh, I would hope that that gets addressed in the next CBA, and I'm, I'm optimistic that through this time, I realize it's been a difficult period for labor relations in the midst of obviously a, a tragic circumstance for the world, but I, I would hope that through a lot of the conversations that have occurred here recently that, that we're able to arrive at a, at a more equitable agreement here uh, in the next chapter for the CBA. Given the set of circumstances, obviously, with, with everything that's going on and the fact that baseball hadn't, hadn't started their season yet, is, did you come up with any scenarios or is there anything you wish that MLB had done different to, than, than to have, a, have a look like this? Is there any, anything that you would have done differently in terms of like postseason, in terms of, of just how you structured the whole season? Right. Well, I mean, it's it's, really, it's a great question, Tim, because I, I think that there there's been a lot of debate back and forth. I know the commissioner uh, made the statement about 60 games being the most that that they could have possibly gotten in. Uh, it, it's it's. I would say this on baseball's behalf. I have a hard time criticizing the the, the timing and the number of games when it's really apparent if you ask a lot of people around the sport that there's not certainty here at all that we're going to be able to finish the 60 games that are scheduled. So in this, in this climate, it's, it's difficult for me to, to second-guess too much the way everything's been laid out because we just don't have a lot of certainty as to, as to what the end game is going to look like. This is very much a week-to-week situation for everybody. And, and so in that respect, uh, even circling back to the Jays, while obviously I, I want them to be able to have a long-term home for the season, and, and it's it's really unfortunate what's what's happened to the franchise the, 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 in terms of not being able to play in one set location for the season. We are all living on some level of, of a week-to-week basis here, and and just thinking about where we're going to be week to week. So it, that that is kind of the, the situation normal right now for the sport. So I, I think 60 games is is a good number. They were able to get that that amount, and now it's just a matter of making it work. And I'll say this, Tim, I really credit the, the fact that the last week the, the positive uh, test rate uh, for the Tier 1 people was 0.02%, which is players and close staff. That's it's an incredibly low number, and I think it really reflects that the players have taken the medical advice to heart, and, and I'm really, frankly, proud uh, of what the sport has done since camps opened. With John Paul Morosi, this is leadoff, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Uh, no, no doubt that our federal government's decision over the weekend, John, has caught the attention of people across baseball, and, and I'll 
prove it by saying that, yes, I was one of those guys on MLB TV last night watching a little bit of the Cubs-White Sox in a preseason game from, from Wrigley Field. And Len Casper and Jim Deshays were talking about it on the Marquee Sports Network's Cubs broadcast. I mean, people are talking about the fact that the Blue Jays right now don't have a home. Our Shai Davidi, uh, Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun, and others are floating possibilities. And one of those possibilities is Pittsburgh. Now, the Blue Jays and Pirates will not play each other this year. Pittsburgh, of course, is in that central grouping. Uh, the Blue Jays, of course, being in the east. And if I'm not mistaken, there are only seven dates out of 60 where the Blue Jays and Pirates are scheduled to play at home at the same time. That opens up PNC Park in Pittsburgh as a viable opportunity for the Blue Jays to play a lot of home games, not to mention the relationship the two franchises share at this point because Ben Sherrington and a couple of former Blue Jays front office types followed Sherrington to Pittsburgh. They're now running that operation. Do you think Pittsburgh is legitimately viable? Are you hearing that? And what other potential major league sites? Because we know Buffalo, we know Dunedin. What other potential major league sites could play a role here? Uh, I think Pittsburgh, Scott, it's, it's, a, it's a great scenario uh, when you consider the geography, the, the quality of the, of the stadium, the relationship, as you mentioned. And that's where uh, I think we're seeing for the Jays the, the benefit of having Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins just with all their connections in the sport. They are two of the best connected people in baseball in terms of relationships with other executives, and, and this is one case where that is abundantly clear. Uh, I think that the geography of it, too, because, as you mentioned, those seven games, so seven of the 30 home games, if you played in Pittsburgh, would still conflict. You'd, you'd have to then find a secondary to your secondary option. Uh, maybe that would still be Buffalo. Uh, and, and I think, crucially, the Buffalo to Pittsburgh drive is three hours. It's it's manageable. You, if you had to, it's not optimal, obviously, but we are in a suboptimal world, uh, quite obviously, in so many ways. Uh, if you had to divide up a series between Buffalo and Pittsburgh from the standpoint of transportation, you could probably do it. Again, you wouldn't want to, but you might be able to if you really had to do it. Uh, the, the question of double headers, for example, and, and playing both both teams at the stadium in the same day. I, I don't know the feasibility there because you, you really you want to have that deep clean whenever a new team comes in, and that might be a little problematic. Uh, it's, it, it may be theoretically possible if everybody signs off on it from a, from a health standpoint, but it, that, that'd be a pretty difficult thing to, to achieve. I, I think Pittsburgh of the of the major league facilities makes the most sense uh, just based on logistics and, and the, the driving ability. Uh, it, it's, it's optimal because it's in the, the central third and, and not and wouldn't complicate matters being in the eastern third of, of the divisional scheduling right now so i think for so many ways that that's probably the optimal one and then maybe buffalo becomes the secondary option to pittsburgh because of the geography uh i, I had seen charlotte mentioned uh I, I think that's just a little bit too far uh from a standpoint of if if you want to have the, the, the slash Buffalo Pittsburgh area be somewhat of your nexus. I, I think you probably just want to stay in those two spots and, and, and bounce between them. And, and at least they're not too far apart from each other 
or frankly that far from Toronto either. So I, I think that that is uh, probably the most preferable situation. I think Dunedin is just uh, the COVID nineteen is 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 really uh, in a difficult spot right now in Florida. And, and then you also have the, the the dynamic of the weather, which which is certainly a concern there. So I, I think Pittsburgh, if if it's being seriously considered, it's for a reason. And uh, the major league caliber of that facility is it's one of the most beautiful stadiums in baseball. So I, I think uh, in the midst of a very difficult time. Pittsburgh may well be the best spot for the Jays to play their home games in 2020. All right, this is our last conversation before the season starts. So let's set aside COVID. We don't know whether it's going to have an effect on the season. We don't know whether the season's going to get played to its entirety. Only time is going to tell. We'll pretend that it will, and we'll go off of what we know right now. Give us, and everybody loves being prediction guy, give us... Oh, yeah. Your World Series and your World Series winner. All right, World Series. Uh, I have thought about this before, so uh, I, I had my answers ready. I've got Cleveland and the Dodgers in the World Series, Ooh. and I have the Dodgers finally winning. Uh, I know that's not going to surprise uh, a lot of people to have the Dodgers win, but they are so deep. We even saw last night uh, a prospect, uh, Mitchell White, had a great start for them uh, in their game against the D-backs, and we, we, we barely even talk about Mitchell White. They're, they're so good. So uh, I, I just think the Dodgers have the best team. Now, I'll mention my sleeper. I think that's in Cincinnati. I, I, I am I think Cincinnati meets the Dodgers in the, in the NLCS and gives them everything they can handle. I think that's going to be an excellent team this year. Love their rotation. Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, that changeup. Uh, I, I, I would sing it from the mountaintops. I think Cincinnati might be a top three or four best team in baseball this year. I really believe that strongly about them. So I would say the Reds are my strong sleeper, but I, I, I just can't put them ahead of the Dodgers yet. You know me, John. I'm a, I'm, a Cub, I'm a Cubs guy. I think they're a middling team in the NL Central right now. So I'll tell you what, we all want it for Joey Votto in Toronto. Yes. Like, I, I got to tell you, that guy, he's a fringe Hall of Famer right now, may end up being a Hall of Famer. We all want it. We all want it for him. And if it's this year or next or the year after, I, I hope that Reds team lifts up its boots and gives him a run before he's uh, before he's out of the game. He's 37 years old this year, so he didn't have a ton wow. of time left to be at the top of his game. I hope he gets it. I would love it. I think he's a Hall of Famer myself. Uh, amazing career, such a thoughtful person, really authentic. I've always really enjoyed my conversations with Joey in the past as well. So he, he's, a, he's a great Canadian. I know a proud Canadian, uh, and he's always represented Canada so well uh, here in the game, as, as you both know. So that, that's, uh, that would be a great story. Uh, and and maybe, maybe someday, how about a, how about a Reds, Reds-Jays World Series at some Ooh. point? That'd be pretty cool. Well, we'll be talking next Monday, and you know the Jays are always great at Tropicana Field. You don't have any nightmares from that, Leap, right? <laughs> Jays will be 3-0 and when we talk next Monday, John. We look forward to it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Of course, 3-0 and is like 9-0, and my friends. Yep. So uh, <laughs> uh, look forward to the conversation. Happy uh, week of opening day, and great to be uh, catching up with both of you. Here's to prorated nine-game winning streaks. There, there you have it, Leap. We're gonna be, we're gonna be doing, we're gonna be doing that weird math almost every oh, yeah. day for the next couple of months. We're, we're all gonna know our two point seven times tables here coming up. There you go, uh, John Palmarosi of MLB Network. Where will the Blue Jays play? You heard John give the Pittsburgh opinion, and and Shai Davidi has been talking about that. That's a major league option. 
the Blue Jays AAA team, as we know, and you may have traveled there yourself to watch the Buffalo Bisons play when Bo or Vladdy or a combination of both was was rolling through. Buffalo is the AAA home of the Bisons, the Blue Jays' top affiliate. They want in. And Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown will make the pitch on leadoff next. The search for a home for our Toronto Blue Jays uh, continues after a weekend decision by the federal government to not grant the Blue Jays a federal national interest exemption to play home games at Rogers Centre this summer. And so the Blue Jays are expected, well, not expected, we fully expect them to play south of the border. And one of the options is Salem Field in Buffalo, the home of the Blue Jays' top minor league affiliate, the AAA Buffalo Bisons. And the mayor of the city of Buffalo is Byron Brown, and he takes some time to uh, join us this morning and make the pitch. Mr. Mayor, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Scott and Tim. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, It's wonderful to hear your voice. Uh, You have been active on Twitter, uh, and I will quote, as mayor of Buffalo, I would love to see the Blue Jays play at Salem Field. So, Mr. Mayor, make the pitch. Why does Buffalo make the most sense to host the Blue Jays this summer? Tremendous love for the Blue Jays in Buffalo. We've been their AAA affiliate since 2013. We have flattened the curve in New York State. It's a very safe place to play. Uh, We are still a top 100 American city, Uh, so there are a lot of things to do in Buffalo, and players' families could come to our city and have a great time in the city, which is in phase four of reopening, working very closely uh, with Governor Cuomo, State Health Department, Erie County, County Health Department, to make sure that... uh, Our residents are safe. Our visitors are safe. would be a very safe place for the Blue Jays, and some of the Blue Jays have actually played in sale and field. Mr. Mayor, we have different stages that the province of Ontario uh, is in. Um, A a significant portion of the province is in in stage three of, of the COVID reopening. Toronto, the greater Toronto area, is in stage two. Uh, so we understand what our stages are. What does phase four mean in in Buffalo? I'm just I'm unclear of what what that means south of the border or in New York State. What does phase four mean uh, for Buffalo and its reopening? So phase four means that malls are now open, restaurants are open with limited capacity. We have a social distancing plan in place in Buffalo uh, where restaurants can also open outside facilities in their parking lots, on streets, on sidewalks. Uh, That has taken place in Buffalo. Um, 
Many things that were closed are now open in Buffalo. Uh, and because of that, uh, just about anything that a player's family or significant others would like to do in Buffalo, they, they can do. Uh, the zoo is open. Uh, some of our museums are, are, are open with limited capacity. Uh, so phase four gives uh, the public a lot of opportunities uh, to do things and to do them safely in our community. Byron Brown is the uh, 62nd mayor of the city of Buffalo, and he's with us this morning on leadoff. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Mr. Mayor, Salem Field, uh, the old pilot field, Coca-Cola Field, has had some upgrades through the years. Um, and, and I admit that I'm, I'm not totally brushed up on the state of the stadium right now. I know that there has been some questions about whether the light standards meet Major League guidelines. Is Salem Field prepared to host Major League Baseball? And if the answer to that question today is no, can it be prepared to host Major League Baseball in just nine nights, which is a week Wednesday, the night that the Blue Jays are first scheduled to play a home game? The city of Buffalo has put millions of dollars into sailing field over the years. There's a difference, though, between even a state-of-the-art AAA stadium and a major league baseball stadium, we would have to do more to get the stadium up to major league standards. Uh, the Buffalo Bisons are doing everything that they can to become a viable option for the Toronto Blue Jays. Certainly they've been in discussions and have been working with the Blue, Jay organiz Blue Jays organization. And uh, we are prepared to try to do whatever we can to make this a viable option for the Blue Jays, roll out the red carpet for the Blue Jays, and make Buffalo feel like home as the players deal with these difficult circumstances not being able to play at the Rogers Center. So, Mr. Mayor, I'm, 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 I'm interested in the, the chronology of, of these events over the next nine days. Um, I, would, I would imagine that if, if some money is going to be sunk into upgrading Salem Field to make it Major League ready, uh, whether that money is sunk in by the Bisons or the City of Buffalo or a combination of both, you're going to want some kind of commitment from the Blue Jays that they're actually going to play there if you move forward with these upgrades. What kind of conversations are you having at this point uh, with, with the Toronto Blue Jays on that front? At this point, the conversations have been exclusively between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Buffalo Bisons. It's my understanding that they have been speaking consistently. Obviously, uh, the clock is ticking. The Blue Jays need to know where they're going to be playing. And the Bisons have made the commitment that they will work with the Blue Jays organization to do everything that they can to get Salem Field Major League ready. Is, do you think there is a reason so far that they have not, uh, th there's not an answer yet? Well, you know, I can understand some of the players certainly wanting to be in a major league ballpark, uh, wanting to uh, play to those specifications. So I know that the team, uh, Coach Montoyo, 
the uh, president, Mark Shapiro, general manager, Ross Atkins. They're listening to the players, uh, the Players Association. That's very important that the players are comfortable uh, where they're going to play. But I don't think there's any place in the country, if they have to play south of the border, uh, like your promo said, uh, that they will get more love, that they will get more support, where the community will show them more open arms than the city of Buffalo. Mayor, if I could, I'm going to ask you one political question. It's a little bit off, off subject. And, and being from Queens, I got to know, are you a Yankee Giants? Are you a Mets Jets guy? Or have you turned into a Blue Jays Argos fan? <laughs> uh, I will say uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bills Blue Jays. <laughs> there you go. it's wonderful you know what and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one out there mr mayor before we let you go i i know that the patriots signed cam newton but i am not because i said it in april and i'm not gonna back down now the bills will win the afc east in 2020 let's hope for it i agree with that prediction the bills are winning the afc east in 2020 no doubt about it well we wish you uh continued good health uh, stay safe in these uh, troubled and, and strange times. And uh, if there is a, a reason uh, to follow up, Mr. Mayor, we will certainly reach out and look forward to speaking you, to you again soon. Thanks, Scott and Tim. You guys have a great day and stay safe too. But he is the uh, 62nd mayor of the city of Buffalo, Byron Brown. I mean, it, look, from a, from a geographical point of view, Leap, it, it, makes a ton of sense except there's really not a lot of relevance to that because it's not as if uh golden horseshoe or gta blue jays fans can cross the border and go sit in the stands and and, and watch the blue jays play and and it sounds here as though there is work to be done on on salem field and right now it's a it's a private enterprise conversation between the blue jays and the bisons uh and i would imagine if the city of buffalo is going to get involved in any way in this, uh, they would need the commitment in advance from the Blue Jays that whatever money got sunk very quickly into that stadium to improve it uh, would need to result in the Blue Jays playing there. I, I would be very. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure they're ready in, in the inevitability. Or if if they do get chosen to, to host games, I'm sure that they will be able to get the work done. Um, but yes, definitely the clock is ticking. These these are not easy decisions, and but unfortunately, something's got to be made, and decisions got to be made fairly soon. The Maple Leafs are uh, well into. Well, I don't even know what we're calling this now. It's 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 summer camp for for baseball. I, I guess it's it's summer camp for the Leafs. It's training camp. It's 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 preparations for the play-in round. Nick Robertson uh, making an impression. So we're doing we're we're checking boxes here this morning. We're falling in love with a kid, and we're questioning our goaltending. Life, life is getting normal again. Uh, we'll delve into it next. Hugh Burl jumping into studio. Uh, Ziggy is away. Tim Leeper is on all week. Try the veal. It's a bit of a natural. Not really. No. Don't. I'm trying to be nice. Don't make him comfortable. Okay. He's got a beautiful head of hair. He really does. He was calling himself bald oh, earlier, Hugh, which is it. an insult to it bald is. people. I hate when people do that. You've got a beautiful head of hair, Leap. 
I, I'm the guy who's bald, okay? Hugh loves you. Feel Lee. my pain. That's, I'm, I'm big on Hugh right now. That he's throwing the compliments out day one. <laughs> Don't worry. You, on only, the other hand. It's only Monday. Uh, I know. <laughs> we got a long week. If I figure if I set a comfortable bar for you on Monday, you're going to think it's... You're going to think it's too easy, man. It's going to get I, too I think, comfortable. Yeah, I think a little bit of, I think a little bit of friction, you know, just a, don't, don't, don't let the guy in the chair just feel comfortable here. Well, to us, he's the, rookie, he's the rookie, right? So we got to, we got to be a little hard on him. Yeah, no, no hazing, yeah, though. No and, hazing. Uh, nope. Now that you can use the new buzz phrase, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Sure. What's on, what's on your shirt there? We, we're FaceTiming with Tim Leeper right now. That's how we're queuing Bears, Bears beats, beats fact, and there's a big Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute. Uh, the Office. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> fact. <laughs> oh God. Uh, early on a Monday morning. So listen, I I feel like we're box checking when it comes to hockey. Awesome. We've we've fallen in love with a rookie, Nick Robertson. Yep. And by the way, I I'm not mocking that. Like I, I oh, he's a fantastic 50, 50, 53 goals in 46 games for the Peterborough Peets. I mean, have at it. And you, in a year that you didn't have your first round pick, he's your top pick second rounder last year. And he's doing that. If he, if he plays in that Columbus play in series and does something special, have at it. Yep. But we're box checking. We're falling in love with a rookie and we're panicking over the goaltending. That's it. Feels like life is right. Earth is back on its axis. It, it feels actually like October in Toronto. Like we, usually we, we we're doing this in October, and we're always panicking yeah. about Freddie in October, course, Hugh, because yes. he always gets off to a slow start. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Was it uh, Saturday? The, the game starts on Saturday, August first, or thing, or and then the, the Leafs play on the Sunday night. Yes. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Imagine that. Like I, I, well, imagine that it's it's going to be our reality. There's going to be hockey like all day, all afternoon. We get all, to go home and watch hockey at noon. I'm not going to. Oh my I'm, god! I'm going to be. I'm. You know what? There's a bad potential. <laughs> there's there's a bad combination potentially coming here if the Leafs don't do well. Yeah. And I don't get my nap in. Oof. Cranky. Cranky, Cranky the next morning. Cranky the next morning. Have you seen Scotty Cranky leap? Little tiny bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and I hope I'm not around. But yeah, but but Cranky kind of he can kind of flip a switch and be cranky, and yeah. it gets. I, I I find I find it to be great theater. <laughs> great theater. Great theater. <laughs> theater of the mind. How many times? How many times? I'm trying to think leap of where we might have been. Where we where we would bump into each other at like inopportune times on the road, Fenway Park. It's, so I Fenway Park's visiting clubhouse is what a broom closet leap, a shoebox. How do you want to describe it? It's a it's a broom closet. Yeah. So so coaches <laughs> and leap would be one of them. Coaches would be on their laptops, like breaking down video and preparing for the games. In in open spaces in this clubhouse with Hugh, like nowhere to move. Have you ever been in the visitors' no, clubhouse? No, I haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance. Oh my god! And so we'd be like bumping into each other, leap and and distracting you and and th- I mean you see a redhead turn red mm-hmm. right I mean you can mm-hmm. tell stay away 
the three days in Fenway, that's when the coaching staff gets on each other's nerves a little bit. I mean, me and Brooke Jacoby always had a little, if it was Seitzer first and Brooke Jacoby, because he had the corner locker and I had the next one about day, about an hour in the tape was, was drawn. Like, like keep your stuff out of my locker. And yeah, we, we would wear on each other pretty thin in that, that situation for sure. Tim, what was your favorite uh, road stadium to play? You, to visit? you know what? You know, at Yankee Stadium's great, yeah. and and the food is unbelievable. The locker room's great. They do such a great job, and you can just go in there all day and eat. And the, the, <laughs> it's it's all top notch food. You know, you get pretty spoiled in the big leagues, even even since they kind of changed the rules a little bit, where uh, where you kind of control and the, and the, the the food and the food's a little bit more healthy. Yankee Stadium was was always pretty good, but there's not you know besides Tampa. And I even like Oakland. Oakland can be a little bit bad, but but besides Tampa and Oakland, like it, it they're all pretty nice. Yeah, when We're there's spoiled. not a when there's not a river of sewage rolling through the visiting <laughs> clubhouse in Oakland, really? Oh my God, they've the Coliseum has had more than one. You can Google it, Hugh. The Coliseum in Oakland has had more than one issue where the the turlets have backed up, have have backed up, backed up, and ran the other way. Yeah, so it really was a blank show. What I love about Oakland, though, the weather's good until the game starts and gets really cold. But like, <laughs> you, I, you sit on, I sit on an ice bucket, or I sit on the water bucket, like outside the, the dugout there, and it's just like, it's like like playing summer ball. And I actually think it's kind of cool. Foul territory for days. Yeah, uh, Yankee Stadium. I'm with you. The media meal. The, this is. It's funny. We got a former Major League Baseball coach saying, "What's your favorite?" We say, "What's your favorite road stadium?" Yankee Stadium. You can just go there all day and eat. And I, I'm with you. It's yeah. like. The media meal at Yankee Stadium is right up near the top. That's how we rank our stadium experiences. Food. Uh, if you're in the media, that's how you rank them. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you right now, it's now T-Mobile Park in Seattle, uh, then oh. Safeco. Open air press box, concessions right below, the wafting smell of garlic fries, the entire game into the press box. Nice. Nice. Heaven. Yeah heaven that's a great trip no matter when you go there that's just that's a great trip you're proud to be a blue jay when you go there too. all right Lee. well we've got four more shows this week we will have to we will have to do like a half segment on the seattle experience and, and just turn it into a tourism on an, an, an audio tourism pitch for blue jays fans to get out to seattle and be part of that weekend when the uh when the jays visit the mariners we're back leap and i and hugh at six o'clock tomorrow morning Good show is next. Enjoy your Monday. So it really was a blank show.